the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. All right, you do your thing. I'll get there. <laughs> All right. But I'm really uh, mad. I understand. <laughs> I completely understand why you're mad. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Neighbors Trash. My name is Paul. Uh, this is the Scriave 6 uh, episode. We're going to be talking about Scream 6, the final Scream, as far as we know, possibly ever, maybe not, who knows, depending on when this writer's strike is over. And uh, we'll see. But we're here to talk about Scream 6. My name is Paul, and my big hope for Scream 7 is that we finally get to space. <laughs> hey, my name's Joe, and uh, my big hope for Scream 7 is that we have not one, but two killers. Wouldn't that be crazy? Ooh. I'm Kelly. My big hope for Scream 7 is that Parker Posey comes back. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Definitely. I was worried for two seconds that you were going to take mine, like right when I just thought of one. How dare you suspect me like that? <laughs> I was like, wait, well, he's going to go first. He's going to take mine. That's why you got to go junior first. high all over again. Yeah. Homework. This happened, apparently. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's kick it off, I guess. Um, Kelly, do you want to walk us through, get us started, walk us through mm -hmm. the plot of this? So I'm going to try to be more brief with uh, where we are so we can just open up to discussions more quickly. So at the very, the opening scene of Scream 6, I keep wanting to say Scream 7 now because you put that in my head. So <laughs> you really, you really ruined this whole podcast. Beautiful. That's what I wanted. <laughs> right up the It's date. all over. So the, the very opening scene of Scream 6, we open on Samara Weaving. Um, finally, we get to hear, I, I don't know, if she, I think she's from Australia, right? Yes. Or, uh, yeah, sure. so we finally Sounds hear her like true Australian accent. This is the first time I'm hearing it, uh, so that was fun. But she is on a date with a unknown man and is extremely nervous about it for God knows what reason. Um, and that is where we at at the very beginning. Yeah, Kelly, thank you for pointing that bar. out. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, Kelly, thank you for pointing it out, how ridiculous it would be uh, for her to be nervous because like the way they have her done up, uh, what she's wearing for this day, like I don't care who she's meeting. Uh, she's they're, they're punching up. Yeah. And this guy that, on the so phone. It's so confusing. Yeah. He's just he's like, oh, gosh, oh, I can't find the place. She's <laughs> yeah, like, he's an idiot. Nervous. Like every time she's like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Like. Yeah, she's like, making oh, normal, God. cool conversation, and he's an idiot on the phone. We even see a photo of him, and he's just some loser guy. Like some guy. Like he's fine looking, but he just looks like a dude. Like yeah. what did he say? Who did he say he was? Like they obviously don't know much about each other. So is it just from this photo that she's so nervous? Well, they probably had like a text conversation before the date, but it just it's just some guy named Reggie. Like Reggie, yeah, Reggie. Yeah, it's also very distracting. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks this, but she looks so much like Margot Robbie to me. She does, uh, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. 
so yeah, again, like these are two women who are generally regarded uh, very highly for uh, their talent and also for uh, their beauty. Uh, and the guy that shows up on her phone when he wants to call to see, you know, if he can, she can help him get unlost on his way to the restaurant. Uh, looks like me. Uh, so <laughs> I don't buy it. Yeah. But she like it's just, it's it's crazy, and she doesn't it doesn't even like loosen up at all. Like it, as she's talking to him, you'd think that she'd be like, because she's also a film professor. Like I like she can talk in front of people. She shouldn't be this nervous for a stupid yeah. date. I don't this know. It's a very a very very funny like opening with that. It is. I have to give her credit too because she comes off as very charming. Like her, uh, it's of very, course. Yeah, it's like very relatable. But yeah, so I guess story wise, she's waiting for this guy to meet up with this guy from, you know, she knows from the apps, uh, her phone tells her that he's lost, like he texts her and says he's lost. So they get on a phone together and he starts like asking her to go outside to tell, tell him what the front of the store looks like. Idiot, complete idiot. Um, but and I, they both say, I oh, it's red, but it wasn't red. There were some <laughs> orange lights. Like Paul the bill no part Who's of that side are you on? no 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 <laughs> I, I am on paul's side uh <laughs> the thing that made me really mad was the quote-unquote payoff joke uh at the end of this sequence that re references the whole red bit so i'm yeah. with you <laughs> not buying it but that yeah and then it. and not only that like okay so already she's just nervous to be there so her character her, Someone else needs to take it for two seconds. So she, oh, yeah. It, yeah, go ahead, Joe. No, no, Paul, please. Oh, no. Okay, so here, I'll try. So she she gets the call. She's talking to this guy. The guy's like, uh, is it on uh, Hudson? I'm heading towards Hudson. I'm going through an alley or like standing at the end of an alley and come find me. And she's like, okay. She walks out like to go meet him. So she's out of the restaurant. We've confirmed that this building is not orange or it's not red. It's 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 a little bit, uh, the lights are orange a little bit. So she walks out. He's like, I'm at the end of the alley. Can you see me? There's, he describes, uh, very generically describes an alley. He's like, there's dumpsters in it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's an alley. Um, Strike two, so big idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she's standing at the, the end of the alley now. She's still on the street, looking down the alley, doesn't see him. He's pretending as if he's in trouble. He's saying like, oh, there's some guy just staring at me. Like, or like he asks her to wave. She starts waving. He's like, this, the person over there is not waving. He's looking at me. Oh, God. Like, kind of pretending he's being attacked. I really don't know what she's doing here because i know she, is... she goes into the alley and i'm just like samara just tell him to go find help like you do not have to track down a man in the alley like yeah, that is not your responsibility you do not know this man it seems pretty clear that they're not in the same alley like exactly if, yeah. if she cannot see that at the end then she just needs to go like at least stand on the street like it's a pretty busy street right there where the restaurant was and where like right where the entrance of the alley is like it's a well-trafficked street. Like if she just backed up at least and was like stayed in in view of yeah. other people. But yeah. yeah, the only way this would work is if it was like a '90s sitcom and she had like Edna Krabappel levels of needing a man. <laughs> right, right. 
Reggie was the best she was going to do and she needed to get that done now. Apparently, yeah, at, at any cost, <laughs> she needed to be with Reggie. But yeah, what what also blew my mind is that she he already turned a little threatening on the phone. She doesn't leave the alley. She stays in there like for a good like because yeah, he that yeah. he's like starts making fun of her for um going into the alley in the first place being a film professor or a stab movie professor or whatever the hell she does and <laughs> she still stays in the alley she doesn't leave yeah she's i yeah that's the thing. i think it actually switches to so this guy is talking we hear the voice and then it switches over to ghost space yeah and then they start having a conversation but she's still doing the same thing She's almost like continuing to walk, not like as quickly, but she's continuing to move forward in this alley. It's clear that the person she's talking to is threatening her. Yeah. And it's not going to end well. Like even if, I don't really don't know what she's thinking at this point because no, none of it makes sense with where she is, how familiar she is, she is with this person. Like, it's not like she thinks she's meeting someone she knows really well. It's a blind date. Yeah. Like, it's just like that heart eyes for Reggie. Get out of the out alley. Of there. Yeah. <laughs> like, poor Reggie, but guess what? Like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'll find someone to help, but I'm not doing that. There's got to be at least one other guy on the apps who has a dog. <laughs> right. Right. Reggie's entire personality. <laughs> That's all we know about Reggie is that he has a dog. New York City. There's only one man there, and she found him. <laughs> Okay, so I, I agree that this deserves some dumping in terms of like the the logic of it, but I do like Samara Weaving. I think she does a great job. And I think that the end of this sequence is like interesting. Like it's a it's a fun yeah. twist on the premise, right? Right. I like this scene, even if it is pretty stupid. I like how it's like I like I like how it's shot. Like I like the restaurant and I like how we haven't seen that before. We haven't seen somebody out in public doing this and like her going into the alley and like the whole the whole sequence it, like that doesn't make sense and to the point where I think it's like it's beyond like just like oh it's movie logic it's kind of like there's a lot of things that are just like why is she I don't really get any part of her motivation but outside of that it's like it's a really nice looking scene and it's interesting and and like I'm glad they tried something else with the the opening well Paul it's a franchise bigger budget bigger people that's true. <laughs> Less common uh, sense. And like the also the the something speaking of what they haven't done yet before. Um, so she gets stabbed. We're we we're, we're led to believe it doesn't really feel like it was set up as an opening scene. So and since the uh, the screen before this didn't uh, also didn't have like the standard opening scene that the others ones did. Um, I guess it kind of felt like we were just getting pushed right into the movie and it wasn't going to be one. So like hmm. the fact that he reveals his face right away really threw yeah. me. Cause I was like, okay. Cause it felt like, cause I guess when you're watching like, like a monk episode, you always know that if you meet the killer right away, that it's going to be a story about monk. It's not going to be a story about solving the murder. Like it usually is. So it was like, oh, okay. So we're not like, are we not doing like a full ghost face this time? Is this like going to be like more of an introspective one? But then they kind of throw you back into it's just a longer opening scene, you know? 
Yeah, it's, like, a very cool, it's a very cool choice, I think. Good. That's yeah. what I was referring to before. Yeah. Um, the immediate reveal, he's like some kind of doofy looking uh, college student. Uh, and this woman was his professor for film study. Uh, and he wanted to like get revenge on her for getting a C on a paper, we find out later. Um, yeah. Again, all goofy motivations, but it's a fun opening. I, uh, I've i said this before, and this is the last I'll say it, I guess, because it can get annoying, but like the kill was a little intense. It uh, was brutal. Yeah. 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 They are stab crazy in this movie. It's, it's even more, uh, there were parts of six that I thought were so over the top, like especially the way that she kills Richie at the end were mm-hmm. so intense and kind of gross. I don't think anything in this movie reaches those heights, but they are mm-hmm. trying. Let's put it that way. They, yeah, it was... yeah. Go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, yeah, there's a couple moments in this one where it's, it's yeah, and like, this was weird too, because it's like, again, unless I'm completely forgetting, I don't really feel like she fights back very much, this first um, victim. Like, she, she kind of like the he pops out, he reveals himself as Ghostface, and then it's kind of like, I I think part of it too is that it, like this guy and his his friends are obsessed with the stab movie. She's a what twenty first century stat or slasher film uh, professor, so she doesn't like the stab movies. Uh, was another thing that she said. So that might be part of this whole motivation for him, who's obsessed with those stab movies. But like, I don't remember that she really. Maybe there's maybe she gets a couple hits in or something, but I feel like she goes down pretty quick. And then it is well, it's very brutal. I think what you don't understand is that she has the heartbreak of losing Reggie. Well, yeah. And that <laughs> uh, uh, when you get hit with something that devastating, it's like just let me die. Yeah. Why well, just uh, be yeah. for yeah for it to be like that brutal? But it's like you don't really get any other part of it. It's just like. I don't know. It's just kind of seems yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. That's how I felt too. Like too much is probably the way to, to put it. And I do understand that these latter movies are trying to separate themselves from the earlier ones. And then also we're talking 20 years later and the culture is a little different. But uh, like like I said, I said this in an earlier episode of this series, but like Eli Roth was sort of sneered at for a very long time for kind of producing torture porn in his movies. And some people don't agree with that. I think there is a valid uh, criticism to be made. And I think sometimes this movie, like these latter two movies, wander into that territory a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I, the stabbing, it, it gets to the point where I'm uncomfortable. Because like the first three movies, it just felt like it it wasn't played out as like, I guess you just, you weren't really expecting the stabs to be like crazy. Like they had like, I think it's the the motion of like doing it over and over and over and over again, I think is the, because the first three are just all very slow with how they're stabbed. And it's more of just like, a, I'm going to watch this person, like this is personal, like, uh, it, and it, it kind of got its intensity that way. And this one is just like, bam, 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 bam. And I think that is just like a little, like, I guess like what the character says later, he doesn't even see her as human. He sees her as a meat sack. I think that's exactly what it is. They just don't even seem like they're like, know their victim at all anymore. It just feels like a weird murder spree. Yeah, I agree. I think from, from the viewer standpoint, which is I, you know, how I always consider this stuff. 
Uh, I, I just think it lowers the stakes. You know what I mean? Like we just see so many people get stabbed so many people times or so many times. And uh, in, in previous movies, uh, like getting stabbed once was a really big deal because that was it was game over at that point. Uh, right. Those movies were all about the chase. It was all about the resistance. It was all about uh, getting to that big payoff moment. And then for these movies, the payoff moment is like a five minute long medley of like the knife going in and like intestines showing and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't hit the same for me. So one thing that I do like that this movie kind of does well, that I think that we kind of complained about for the first one is that they are starting to like intertwine the characters a little better in this one. So I do like that immediately after this scene, we see this guy's face. He's, he leaves the crime scene and then he walks by Tara and it's not really like a, introduction but it's like tying them together in a very brief like cutaway scene so it's like they mm -hmm. pass each other on the street um tara says she's going to a frat party uh i think that guy's name was jason jason tells her to try to get sam to go and she's like maybe and she's walking away like she's super uninterested in this conversation and like that that's just a very brief like tying of the character before we go to the next scene which is in this guy's apartment yeah and it's uh, uh... I was gonna it's cool to see so obviously we like I don't you're right too because I, I don't know I guess I wanted to ask that too it's like when we we revealed the ghost face you know we saw the guy and it what there was this moment where it's like oh are we going to know who Ghostface is or how is this gonna work and yeah then, like before you learn what's going on um you, you like you said you see him passing Tara and the, I like that because it's like that all the past movies it's like that happens where it's like you know on your first watch through at least it's like you don't know these kids they're interacting with are killers you know yeah. like but it's cool to see how like casual is it's like oh it's somebody and always somebody in the friend group and it's just so weird to see them carry out actually carry out the murder and then interact with the main character so casually like but with that's what we're actually led to believe happens quite often in these movies but it's just that's kind of true. Cool, that's interesting. Like cool yeah. to actually see it happen. Um, so the the next scene after this is he's he gets to his apartment and um he immediately gets a phone call from who he thinks is his roommate, but using the ghost face voice. Um he answers his phone in the most hilarious way because no one ever just says hello in this movie, they just dive in like they didn't even he doesn't even <laughs> see who's on the other line. Like I know it's a like an iPhone, so it has a collar on it, but still, he just answers the phone like, "Yep, sorry, I did it." Like I was like, "That's just a full confession." You have no idea who the fuck's calling. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so he's in he's in his apartment. He just got a phone call from Ghostface. Ghostface is now playing with Jason. Um, the whole time he thinks it's his uh, partner in crime and roommate that's in the house with him and is like. Um, messing with him for his like they're getting ready to um go to the frat party and i think they were gonna do the kills tonight i'm not sure what their plan was but so that's where we are right now ghostface is on the line with jason yeah i thought this was reasonably well done uh, i liked that their justification like they they did a little work here because uh obviously the guy is unsettled about uh the his roommate using the ghost face voice filter he's like come on man turn that shit off and the Ghostface is like, hey, you got your practice in tonight. I got to get mine in as well. And I was like, all right, that's kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it, I, I'm going to say this right now and we don't have to like get into like final thoughts or anything, but like, I do like this movie better than the last one. Mm -hmm. uh, Same. 
I, yeah, I think this movie is is doing more interesting things. And like we were saying, the last movie really pales by being compared to the direct movie before that, which was Scream 4 that we all love. Um, I will say that yeah. there, this is this scene is one example of something that happens throughout this movie, which is that it goes on a little too long. I yeah, think. it's um, it does get stretched out quite a bit and it's like it i do like it too and like it, i like that we're getting something new with the opening and then you immediately get the the killer being hunted and like the fact that i like that they, they kind of tie this kill into at least from what i understood is that the she the teacher was not actually part of the plan this was purely this jason guy's like revenge and he's like well yeah, we're killing think- people um yeah we're we're killing people so like i'm gonna do this first like just kind of get you know figure make sure it feels right whatever like get that taken care of and then then i'm you know we're going in so this pisses off um or at least yeah so we'll we'll talk a little bit more how these two dudes are tied into everything else later but like um it is like i like that whole spin on it and like I like that it's like he doesn't know if he's talking to his roommate who is actually a ghost face too like so he is like if he has no idea who he's talking to at this point like um but he's just he's making him go around and do like a hot and cold game um to figure out he's saying like he's in his apartment uh come find me and like the hot and cold part of it where he's like you know, they've got cameras in there. So uh, the ghost face is watching Jason walking around the apartment telling him if he's hot cold where he is. And it just like, it's like, okay, <laughs> we've seen him do that. He goes into like three separate rooms yeah. and like searches around. And it's like, I, we don't need it to, we don't need to take too and long. And at this point, like when I was watching it for the first time, I guess I thought that their role was going to be bigger. So like, I, I thought that's why it was taking so long and like, maybe it was like clues gathering for like later kills or something um but it it is funny the the concept of just two two groups or two solo people made the plan to be ghostface at the same time and it just overlapped like these kill these murders always happen like with such long like spaces and there's two groups of people that were like you know what let's do this let's be ghost faces because I'm a little confused about that because I thought there was a uh, deeper connection between the two. Are you talking what? about what you think right now? I'm talking about what I think right now. Okay, okay, sorry. So I guess I, I'm maybe I just said what I was trying to say weirdly. I'm just saying I thought it was funny that two different groups of people were, decided to be Ghostface and um finishing richie's movie was their big motive the the ghost face that that are in this opening scene which is very funny like how good were his little movies that they're like we're gonna finish this he has an eye (laughs) but yeah so we get i'm sorry go ahead kelly oh nothing good oh well so yeah like like paul was saying we get uh a game of ghost face playing uh warmer colder like it's uh a looney tunes cartoon uh right warm a doc uh anyway finally 
the kid Jason uh, walks up to his fridge, opens the fridge up, and there his roommate is, all chopped to pieces, and yeah. in the refrigerator. Uh, and that's when Ghostface comes out and stabs Jason. And the the reason I wanted to get to that was just to say that uh, I do like how this movie gives you a bit of payoff up front, and mm-hmm. it uh, it kind of restores some um stakes or it makes you like i don't know like i was kind of celebrating this guy getting his due <laughs> after <laughs> right he just yes did. stab just as brutally as samara yeah yeah and ghostface is like shit talking him the entire time like essentially saying <laughs> he wasn't worthy uh and like you know that woman had nothing to do with it and whatever uh, you know he's essentially saying i'm taking it from here you little shit yeah, he's like, I'm a ghost face with principles. Like, they, we, we got a job to do. We don't just kill people and give them a C pluses. We don't do violence against women for no reason, Jason. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a, a fun scene and a final. You know, it actually gets to the finality of the quote unquote opening scene, right? Yes. So like that. Um, so yeah, this this is like the um, I guess it was just like a super long opening scene. Cause I had the fake out opening scene, and then I had the full on opening scene where we actually got the kill in, and we're like, all right, now it's a stab movie or a scream movie. What the fuck? Um, and <laughs> we are in New York City as the Ooh. opening title credit really dives into with some nice montage footage of New York. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I do, York, I, I do enjoy this being I do enjoy this set in New York a lot. Like it's I fun. Like just moving it around and they did a good job with it. But I, it was fun. I thought I had a lot of fun. Scream 2 was like, wouldn't it be cool if we went to Ohio? And this scream <laughs> was like, wouldn't it be cool if we went to New York City? These are two different brains. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, well, they went to Ohio. They're kind of, we'll talk about this more, but they're kind of doing a, a two right like yeah. this whole, the whole point of this movie is that like scream or scream five redoing one we've got this movie sort of paralleling in a lot of ways what two did so Definitely. how we've yeah well we'll talk about that here in a second because we haven't really even established what's going on in new york or why we're in new york yet so why are we in new york so we are in New York, the um, core four, um, which is Sam, Tara, Chad, and Mindy have moved to New York to, uh, the, the three kids are going to school and Sam is there to protect Tara. Um, so where we go straight from the New York montage though is to the, Sam is in session with her therapist. So um, this guy, he I, they've had several sessions it sounds like. Um, so she's kind of like saying, oh, you don't want to mess with me. Like I got a past, I got this. And he was like, I just want to know the past so I can help you. She tells him is the past, which I feel like, um, if, if people on the street are recognizing her and throwing drinks on her from knowing who she is, this therapist could have done a little bit of research to figure out who this girl was and know anything about her. He seems very shocked that she has that past. And then he's like, I can't help you immediately. Like he didn't even try, which is very funny. I was like, you little like sack of shit. You're like, open up to me. Oh, not like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go. Yeah. He was like immediately like this session is over. Get out. Like after like begging her to open up and, and, yeah, like acting as if he's uh, um, he's like immediately suspicious of her, like, oh, she's going to come after me. And 
we this is like Kellator had said at least this is she like immediately suspected him when she had seen this um and i can see why because he is like it seems like he would have an interesting motive uh oh she thought it was the therapist yeah oh funny i just thought he was like i was like this idiot and then i was like why did they even put him in here at all if he's just gonna be like i have to turn you in i thought that was like the big thing that was like his part is he turned her in Go ahead, Joe. I was just saying that's very funny because she very correctly points out the law on this. And she's like, I didn't say I was going to do anything. And he's like, well, yeah. you might. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> how it works. She does know the confidentiality rules. And yeah, all she did should. was say exactly what happened to her. So she just said, I like, like, I, and that's why she was in therapy is because she just stabbed this guy. And then all she said was like, I, I'm worried that like, I liked it, but there's a million reasons why she would have liked it. Not just that she's like a stabber person now, you know? So and he I didn't think, even dive into any of that. He's just kind of like, well, this is fucking spooky. Get out of here. Yeah. But it's like, wasn't part of it. I might be remembering incorrectly, but like, didn't she kind of get a little too intense? Like, she's like kind of explaining her stabbing Richie and how good it felt and yeah. like what did she say I think I wrote it it's like it felt right she said um yeah so I think that's the moment where he's like oh okay well uh let's uh ramp it up so I think at least it's I mean it's not he didn't do anything correctly and he sucks at his job but like <laughs> I think that's like that's what pushed him you know to think that he had any right to do that He's just like Stabby Stabberson over here. Right. Get her out of here. Yeah, it's just very funny because like as an attorney, we have similar uh, confidentiality rules. And like when you're a criminal defense attorney, they basically have to be like, I'm going to kill Barry Johnson. He lives at this address. <laughs> I'm going to put a knife into him and I'm going to do it at 6 p.m. And then even then the defense attorney's like, I'm going to make an anonymous tip and withdraw from the case. You're like, sure you will. We'd love to see that. Um, so does anybody have any else uh, any other things to say about the therapist? He sucks. He does suck. Yeah, dude sucks. <laughs> so there from here, Sam go uh so they do more tie-in. I think that they are really um I think it is fun that everyone's kind of on foot for this one or are taking public transportation. So I think it's a lot more fun and easier to actually like tie things together that way with mm -hmm. just like walking scenes. Cause right from here, she leaves the therapist and she walks by the crime scene where the teacher was just murdered. She doesn't interact with it anyway, but she walks by the crime mm -hmm. scene, just kind of like, I wonder what that's about. And then we see from there, we go straight to her apartment where we see that she is like crazy safe in there. Cause she's got like all the doors bolted now. She, I think she unlocks three bolted doors before she goes in there. Um, and from there, we meet her roommate, Quinn, um, who we find as a, a sex positive, as she describes herself, roommate. Um, and the voice of Tim Robinson is the man in her room. She's in there. I know. Isn't that real? Yeah. That's the coolest thing about this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what the hell? I did, I did not see that. That's so, so the cool. man, yeah, he, he just yells from the other room, but yeah, that's Tim Robinson, which is fun. It's a fun little, fun little Easter egg. Yeah, because yeah. it's Sam is like, oh, is Paul in there? And you hear the guy go, who's Paul? Yeah. <laughs> who's Paul? And a very Tim Robinson. Oh, man. 
And then, yeah, I guess this guy is referred to as not Paul from like in the <laughs> credits. And <laughs> we don't know his name or who he is. <laughs> so very fun. But um, she learns from Quinn that Tara is at this frat party and she's like, God damn it. Um, so she's not in this, uh, she's not in her room very, I don't think she's at the apartment very long before she leaves and she goes to find Tara at the frat party. But do you guys have anything else to say about the uh, the apartment scene and meeting Quinn? Uh, no, I don't think so. It was, uh, yeah, we saw Quinn. Quinn said some things. She's a new character. Very similar to, there was a roommate in Scream 2. We're getting the roommate in Scream 6 now. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, yeah not much to say. Uh... She, she's a fun character and yeah. she gets to do comedy, uh, you know, comic relief. And this actor is pretty good at it. She is like, uh, she's one of those actresses that um got like, she got shot on for, I think she was a Disney star before this, Debbie Reynolds. Uh, but she had like, um I think it's Disney or Nickelodeon. It was, uh, it was a show that was on bef- like when I was already an adult. So I didn't see it, but I remember her like, like always, there was like a bunch of memes of her face, like doing like these weird reactions. Cause she like, you know how they like updo Disney stuff. Mm. So there's like a very popular one that you guys have seen probably like a million times where she's like making this really dumb face. So mm. uh, I'll have to send it to you guys if you don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> um, sounds like you don't. Um, no, I don't think so. But, uh, it's fun to see her like actually like start to get like good roles now and, and kind of like, kind of like the Rebecca Black where it's like I was stupid but now you see you'll all see I was a teenager at one yeah point. exactly <laughs> yeah, it's very I funny, it's very funny that you mentioned Rebecca Black because I just saw her today on Twitter like yelling at the Oakland A's to sell the team because they're trying to move the team and I'm an Oakland A's, I'm an Oakland A's fan uh so oh, Rebecca I know Rebecca Black, you are a queen, and uh, we salute you. Thank you very much for adding to the cause. What are you going to – we can't get into that now, but um, that, I'm sorry. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so from here, we go immediately to the frat party where um, the rest of the core four is here. We got Chad. We got a new nerd character whose name I keep forgetting. I think it's Ethan. Is he the new nerd guy? Oh man, that's I just it. It should it, be something I, him, I know. I know. Let's I called see. him nerd guy in my notes the whole time, so it was hard. I'll tell to... you something. It's a big fucking problem that we can't remember <laughs> how this movie yeah. turns out. <laughs> Let's. Um, wow. I like, think it's Ethan. I think it's an E name. It's it Ethan. Ethan. I'm, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we meet the so the new characters that we meet we don't get very many which was a, a problem for the first one so like we're not being thrown a million characters this time which is nice so the only new characters that we got we got Quinn as the new roommate which makes sense because like they just moved to New York they're not gonna have a like a already base of friends besides Chad and Mindy so we've got Ethan's the new nerd guy. He is Chad's new roommate. And then Mindy's girlfriend, who I also do not remember her name. I'm so sorry. It started with an A. So we've got Mindy's new girlfriend also at the party. We've got Chad. 
We've got new nerd guy, Tara. And Tara is very drunk at this party. Mm-hmm. And um, she immediately, she um, they run out of beer. She meets this guy over at the keg. He tells her there's harder stuff in the kitchen. She goes with him and he tells her there's fireball upstairs in his room, which is always an exciting mm. thing to hear. So, of course, she was like, I'm going to pick this up. And she goes up there. And then that is when everybody pulls together the core four bond together to stop Tara from going with this guy. Um, So Chad punches this guy and Sam comes in with little to no information of what's going on and tases him in the balls. (laughs) Yeah, she's (laughs) lucky that all that stuff had happened. It's funny, too. There's another scene coming up soon where like it's used as her being like look she's pretty she's violent she has a temper and <laughs> this scene where she tases somebody in the balls after like two <laughs> seconds of being in the room with him exactly. like <laughs> it doesn't show up doesn't come up again <laughs> in the entire movie <laughs> like obviously that, that guy was kind of a douche but he already got punched i was like uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Tara's safe now and then she was like I gotta tase him in the balls <laughs> like I'm here now and she also uh, says don't like put a hand on my sister which she didn't see she doesn't come in until the very end so she didn't see knows. any of that she's like you know what bitch go ahead Joe uh yeah well Kelly you said in the last movie because I was I was kind of joking about how Sam wasn't given a whole hell of a lot to do and you said it gets better uh, in this movie and you were right and- <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, this is an example of it. Uh, her tasting that guy in the balls is a great character moment. It's very funny. Uh, <laughs> it also serves to actually like feed into the plot uh, or or the character development of like she is overprotective of Tara, and that's a that's a big issue that they actually explore in this movie in ways that I was kind of surprised by. Depth maybe too much, but like they spend an, mm. enough time on it where it's not just you know something that they are you know waving at. They actually are trying to make that a part of this movie. And they're doing a good job. Um, these two actors are doing an incredible job selling this, I think. Um, just the whole, Great. like, you know, Tara, Sam comes in, Tara's upset because Sam just tased this shitty guy in the balls. But still, it's, you know, she's like, leave me alone. You don't need, you know, you were gone for five years. Now you can't be around me for five. It's just a lot of, like, really, like, cutting dialogue that felt really real like it felt like a moment where like you could believe it's like tara's drunk you know she just she's obviously not dealing with what's going on and it was definitely a sister fight like sister fights get so personal so fast like and then you're fine like two seconds later yeah i just yeah i did that that's all i wanted to say i just thought they did a really good job and and continue like this whole their relationship in this is is great and that's why it's just like in the first one yeah it doesn't sam doesn't really feel necessary but they definitely figure it out yeah it's a very believable that they like they have a connection so it doesn't really feel like two like women were forced to like sometimes it doesn't feel like they have an actual sibling dynamic and this one i felt like they did a good job with the way they talked to each other that it felt very siblingy yeah um, I did also just write a note because I just thought this was really funny. So when we meet uh, Chad and Ethan, like Ethan's like supposed to be the huge nerd. Like he's got like the robot co- costume on and then Chad's supposed to be the Chad. I never feel like Chad is an actual Chad the way people describe him in this movie. Like they always are like, oh, this jock guy. But he always just seems like a nice guy all the time. And also when they hit on those girls, it kind of felt like the... um 
um, Troy and Abed dynamic where it's kind of like, <laughs> you guys are both nerds now. It's like it used to, like it was like, oh, I'm, I'm the big jock and I'm hanging out with this nerd. And she was like, oh, you guys are both nerds. <laughs> yeah, she kind of looked at him like, it's not like she looked at Chad like she was interested. She was just kind of like, okay, guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just some random woman at the party that they let that Chad tries to, uh, you know, get ethan with and like there's just this awkward moment yeah and it's just like she just kind of brushes both of them off and yeah. like moves on like she doesn't give a shit about either of them um it I wasn't like oh, it's chad i don't know for super because it's like they're they're a little inconsistent with chad especially between these two movies because it felt like <laughs> like him and mindy in the first one were kind of both randy and then they cooled off a bit and now i really can't quite get i understand you know we'll we'll talk about in a second like kind of what he's doing or you know how he ties in a little bit stronger to this but it's like i i feel it's a little inconsistent what he's supposed to be like the entire time i think so too yeah they're they're telling you what you're supposed to think he is but they're also showing something a little different to subvert that right because like yeah. you're saying saying he's like an alpha jock dude and like Yes, he looks like that, and yes, he is like gregarious and outgoing. But he's also like uh, kind and thoughtful, and like he's he's kind of like the uh, you know an idealized version of that alpha male guy. You see, you see that exact same example in uh, Cabin in the Woods with uh, yeah. the Hemsworth character, right? Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yeah. It's just it's it's like this new spin on the jock guy where like he actually is like super great and uh there's there's nothing about him that you could hate um yeah jump, jumped in immediately when another another frat guy was like going praying on tara like he's like supposed like he's supposed to be like this actual super nice guy and he's like that in both movies yeah and he is he's in full-on boyfriend mode like they are mm -hmm. to whatever extent that he is slightly different because in the last movie like he had a girlfriend and like there was like some repartee about them like being physically intimate and stuff and he's generally like a funny guy in this movie he is the kind caring uh always there for you uh you know boyfriend material guy and they've shifted yeah. a little bit agreed um so from from the uh, does anybody have any other thoughts on the frat party no nope. good no okay um so from here we get the big tara and sam fight on the street so they uh started their fight inside tara runs outside and this is when they're having their like intense big fight uh out outside and this is also when a girl passes them on the street immediately recognizes sam as the killer girl from woodsboro and throws her drink in her face immediately and calls her a murderer that is a very bold like <laughs> you have to be sure <laughs> like, oh, like she's just walking down the street and she's like is that that bitch from woodsboro that murdered somebody yeah. <laughs> that i think i see here like she just threw her soda in her fucking face i was like damn she's intense and she's like screaming at her i was like i don't i don't know um if i would recognize um uh um a supposed murderer from a different state just walking around you know <laughs> Yeah, well, this this is a very important part of this movie uh, and part of Sam's character, which is that there have been like these vicious rumors online um, that you imagine getting picked up by people in like the true crime podcast world or something where she gets smeared as the actual mastermind of the murders from the last movie and that Richie was her victim and she set him up. 
uh and uh you know so people are acting wild when they see her and threatening her and like sending her messages and stuff um here's my problem with that uh if you really think she did that why the fuck are you provoking her <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly she's gonna get stabby also it makes no sense because there are several witnesses that like saw the richie thing like they think they all made that up and got behind sam being a murderer like just to murder richie for fun there were witnesses uh, this the makes no sense. they hang together kelly you know how <laughs> like you just said they can fight but they'll always squash it the next second <laughs> core four <laughs> So from this scene, they, they are on their way back to the par the apartment after this from the frat party. So they have collected Tara from the frat party, and they also have the rest of the core four, plus Ethan and Mindy's girlfriend. They head back to the apartment where we are, we um, get back with Quinn, who I think she has a heart-to-heart -heart with, does she have a heart-to-heart -heart with Sam or Tara where she tells them that her brother died? Because it's a very, I think it's with Tara, but it's like a very it's brief, Tara, yeah. yeah. It's just a very, like, she kind of just throws it in there. Just kind of like, yep, my brother died. This is just, shit happens, you know? And then she, um, this then is also, also. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't want to always be the one that's. No, you're fine. Babbling. I just wanted to say that this was just also where we get introduced to Quinn's father, at least the idea that he's going to be in the story because she says that he, oh, her brother had recently died and her father is oh, a right, cop yeah. and transferred to the NYPD to be close to her. Stalker much, she says. Right. Yeah, and they're bonding over having overprotective family members at this point. Right. right. So we get that, and then um, this is when Chad comes in. And I, I texted Paul about this. I don't know if you feel this way too, Joe. Like, I feel like this romance is very forced. I felt like they had, like, a very, like, platonic sibling bond and then all of a sudden uh, chad's introduced to her as a romantic interest and i think it's kind of cute like I, I it's nice i think later on it kind of grows on me but at this very beginning stage i thought it was weird yeah I I thought... go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. i was just gonna say i thought i could be remembering incorrectly i thought we got a little bit of this in five i thought there was a little bit of was spark. there Maybe I'm wrong because I watched these in a weird way where I watched five and six the same night for the first time. So <laughs> a lot of it kind of blends in. So there's, it's a good chance I'm just misremembering. I don't think, because yeah, he had a girlfriend for the uh, most of five. I don't think he, like, I felt like they always had a friendship, but I don't remember there being a spark between her and Chad before. Okay. Yeah, in five, it's the uh, the blonde kid, Wes. He's the guy whose yeah. personality is that he has a big crush on Tara. Um, okay, okay, but okay. Chad, I think what you see in that movie is still like sort of the brotherly regard that Chad has for like all the women in his friend group. And then in this movie, he kind of pivots into that like Randy best friend, but also like romantically interested. I'll be there to protect you type guy deal. Um, and it's like we already said, like it's a bit of a shift in his character. I tend to agree with Kelly that it feels a little forced. And a little convenient but i do think that the two actors are good enough at pulling it off that it becomes believable yeah i think towards the end it's like a little mm. like nicer i don't know it just kind of came out of nowhere for me because like especially right after he protected her i was like oh that's so like cute like he like protected his friend and then i was like all right well they just turned into a romance thing immediately so it just felt kind of like cheap after that i don't know but it still works um but i what was really funny to me about this scene is like they have quinn do this like this big thing where like 
they like are getting cozy on the on the bed and she like does the whole thing where she's like I'm gonna leave you two alone and does like the millhouse eyebrows and leaves um <laughs> And then she, and then like immediately after they're about to kiss and then she barges back in and it's like so surprised that that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, bitch, you just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you can't yeah. be surprised. Right. Yeah. So she, she says that, did I cock block you three times in a row? Chad gets to say, please stop saying cock. Uh, like <laughs> it is a, it is again, a fun, like comedic scene. Um, doesn't necessarily follow a ton of logic like Kelly just pointed out. And also the other thing that kind of bothered me was uh uh chad like he's like all right well i'm gonna get out of here uh and then he says to uh tara like you sober up I'm like well <laughs> it's funny yeah <laughs> her sobriety was an issue my friend <laughs> like that's like, yeah like quinn just did you a favor, about that. jerk yeah <laughs> i I, also, I really that's funny I really like the lie. I don't know if this is exact, but how I remember it is never enter a room like that again. <laughs> that was that was good. Yeah. Yeah, because Tara's like, never enter a room like that again. And Quinn is like, I won't. Like she's like, yeah. like very serious and like very dry. It's pretty funny. I know. I loved it. I thought it, I really did. I just thought it was like, what a perfect thing to say. It's just like <laughs> just telling someone like, you do not enter a room like that. That's not how we work. Like <laughs> very funny. Yeah, I do love, uh, I think this was a big complaint when we were talking about it, the, the other one, you don't get very much Jenna Ortega and you get way more of her in this one. And she is really good. So it's very fun to get way more of her in this movie. Yeah, I have no uh, disregard in my heart at all for the gal who plays Sam. What is her name again? Uh, <laughs> Melissa Barrera. Uh, I think she's great. And I, like I said, I think in this movie, she gets a chance to shine a, a lot more than she did in the last one. Jenna Ortega is the successor to the Nev Campbell throne, though. Like she's I think the, so. Yeah. Yeah. They're just by looks, too. There's sometimes where in there, like certain shots where I'm just like, she looks a lot like Nev Campbell. She does. They're, they have similar like facial expressions, I think. Yeah. Okay, so um, so that whole scene is going on. Meanwhile, Sam is in the hallway, and we learn that um she is actually with the we didn't talk about this, but when she was with Quinn earlier, they see a, a cute guy across the street in the window and Quinn's like, mm -hmm. you got to make that happen. And she was like, maybe. And then we learn in this hallway scene that she did make that happen. So um, she is hooking up with the man across the street in the window. Um, and it does, uh, the way they talk to each other, it seems like a, a deep, meaningful like connection too. Like he knows like everything about her. Like it's not like a, she just wanders over like across the hall. Like they actually know each other well, which is funny that they would keep it a secret at that point, you know? Yeah, we have another insanely, like, uh, positive boyfriend candidate. Uh, you know, like, this guy is, I don't know why I like this guy's performance so much. He seems like he's in a slightly different movie. Like, his his affects <laughs> are so specific, and I really like them. But, like, oh yeah, his, his whole deal from the get-go is just being like, I like you a lot, and I wish people could know that we are together, and I care about it. Like, <laughs> It's just a piling on with great comments and whatnot. I, I do know there's a scream tradition, right? Of like the love interest being the supportive, nice boyfriend or whatever. Um, I do think they played it differently, like in Scream 2 or whatever, where like Derek seemed like kind of a high society drip. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. so you're kind of, yeah. So like, you're kind of like suspicious of him anyway. You're like, oh, this guy kind of sucks. <laughs> like, 
doctor, you know, med student and everything. Like he's still, he's like, he's trying a little too hard. This guy, I don't know, for whatever reason, it, it seems like he's like trying hard to like win her affection, but also like restraining himself to like give her space. Uh, yeah, he, he just seems like a genuinely nice guy. No one wants to suspect Danny at this point because you're just like, oh, like even like guy... he's been in this movie very briefly and you already like him, you know? Yeah. He's got the the weirdest charisma, and he's in this <laughs> show, uh, the other two. Um, yeah. He is one of the characters' boyfriends in that, and it's like I really feel like oh, in the other two, he had to he... tell me too, Joe. I didn't even connect it. He looks, Holy... he acts so different that I couldn't see it either. I'm yeah, glad you reacted I, I... that way because I did too. That That's... is awesome. I love him in that show. That's the thing. Like, and he is like, I almost feel like they tried to kind of have him as like a douchey guy, but he gives such a like weird, like charismatic performance with whatever he does and however, like, like, you know, just how he talks and how he moves. It's just like, he's just so instantaneously likable when he's on screen. And I was just like, the guy can't be a douche. Yeah. He can't. Like, it doesn't (laughs) matter what he does. It's just, it's like, he's, it's, yeah, he's uh like I like I loved him in that show so much. I was just like it so excited. It blew my mind when you yeah, you texted me you're like, "Oh, the the guy from the other two. And I'm like, "What guy from the other two? And I was like, "Oh my <laughs> fucking god." Yes, it looks just like him. Like I it's like when I watched all of Little Miss Sunshine and didn't notice it was Steve Carell. I did that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. That's ridiculous. I rewatched that movie and I'm like, "What was I fucking on?" Uh, but it's just like it's so bizarre that just to see someone just play a character so wildly different. Like it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I, let's let's give the actor some uh, some some sugar. Uh, I guess his name is Josh Sagara. Uh, mm. You rock, dude. Uh, there is a, there is a connective tissue I think between his other two character and this character, which is like at first glance and how he is known to the main characters. He does kind of he's supposed to be kind of douchey, but he's right. like. <laughs> He's so positive and supportive and also yeah. like he also has like a self-deprecating aspect to his character. Like, I don't know. Like he's just yeah, he's he's insanely charming from the get-go. Yeah, and there's a couple scenes that like where we'll see him kind of get pushed away. Like he's always kind of a suspect because he's new and he's the boyfriend and like never trust you know, the love interest. Exactly. And it's like it, it does seem like he kind of pops up in weird moments and like there's there's so many times where with chat specifically will be like all right dude we're done or this yeah. is just us and he's just like okay <laughs> like he's just so quick to be like yeah i get it like <laughs> like why would he like i do <laughs> yeah he, he'll give like that beat where like he's like taking it all in and then he just kind of nods and is like you're right like it's just you can tell that there are stakes for him and that he cares, but like he understands. I again, like they're yeah. both guys in the boyfriend roles, you know, the the boyfriend material roles are, are kind of working overtime being uh you know very like good dudes. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. So while they're in the apartment now, they're they're all back in the apartment. They call Sam back in. Um, and this guy does go with her, and no one really questions why he's with her. Like, even though this is still supposed to be a secret romance at this point, there's kind of like, hey, new guy, like, uh, you were in the hallway, just decided to wander in here to look at the news <laughs> with us. That's great. Um, so no one questions him, which is funny to me. But this at this point in the movie, um, it's on the news that the, the uh, professor has been murdered. And um, I think Sam's ID was found at one of the crime scenes, either the... Uh, um, either the 
guy at the, his apartment, Jason, or on the street. I think it was in the apartment, Jason. Um, and they also found a mask with um, DNA. Um, I don't know if that's been revealed yet. So we'll put a put a pin in that one. But they do find her ID and she is the chief suspect in this. And this is when Quinn calls her dad to try to see if she, like she can figure out what's going on because her, her dad's a cop and that's super cool. Uh, so they call, uh, she's on the phone with uh, dad. They turn down a call from Gail Weathers at this point. So she's trying to get in. So now we know that Gail's involved in some way in this movie and they turn her down. So we know that there's a riff in their relationship in some point. And the the dad says that she uh, Sam and Tara need to get to the police station. So that's what's going on right now. Thoughts? Paul, go. Oh no, <laughs> uh, I was I was like I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> you okay. guys have to be prepared when I finally stop talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think this is a fine amount of. Uh, infrastructure setting i think one of the interesting aspects of this movie is that i think it's the longest of the entire series uh just eclipses scream two i think by a little bit um and like we had the extra long opening and so that requires um some of this foundation being laid uh, a little bit later in the movie than maybe we're used to um so and i think they have to be really efficient with how they get these facts out but they get the facts out that uh you know her roommate's dad uh, Quinn, you know, Quinn's dad works for the New York Police Department, um, and they're they've brought in uh, the cute guy from across the way who's frequently shirtless, and nobody questions him. As Kelly said, <laughs> we have the whole cast together. We have our connection, uh, and then we also have um, Sam. I think doing a very cool and funny and also intelligent character moment, being like she's like grabbing knives, being like, "Okay, well, now we're having one of these on our hands, uh, <laughs> Tara. We're getting the fuck out of this city, and I'm going to carry a knife." Tara's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tara didn't have, like, uh, she was in the hospital for most of the other ones. So she's like, this, uh, I think all the plans are kind of new to her, like the way they have to carry out all these new plans, but she's, she's catching on pretty quick. Um, Yeah. And Sam makes a really good point where like, cause Tara's like, you're freaking out. This doesn't necessarily have anything to do with us. And Sam is like, you knew those guys. What are you talking about? And then, yeah. and then Tara's like, am I crazy? And she kind of looks at her friends. They're like, eh, yeah, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> so from here, um, Sam has to go to the police department because she needs to be questioned. She, they have to give an alibi. So on the walk there, um, Tara decides to go with her because sisters stick together. So she's she's got to go with her down to the police station. Um, so immediately, uh, Sam gets a, a phone call and it's Richie's phone. And you see his face, oh. his contact, Richie. And she's like, what the fuck? Um, so she answers it and it's Ghostface and he threatens her. Um, so from, and then I think uh, uh, he pops out, like they're kind of like looking around oh, yeah. for him. And he pops out and I think he stabs Tara at this point, right? In the arm or the side like or something. a flash in the arm, I think. Just a slight stabbing uh, in these <laughs> kinds of movies. Uh, if you're if you're stabbed once, you're definitely going to be walking around. Um, but it's just so from it's here. Just like, this is how I want to end the movie. I guess they're luring <laughs> him, but yeah, go ahead. Um, I do. I do love this part. They they run into a convenience store, and um, a, it's very funny uh, right away because there's two girls running screaming, obviously being chased by somebody, and the guy's just kind of like, whoa, there's a line here, babe. <laughs> like, 
yeah. Oh, these women are in distress, sir. So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk through the whole thing because I think a lot we're gonna have a lot to say about this whole scene. But they are in the convenience store. Yeah, I wrote down that they walk in. They're screaming. They're clearly they just got attacked. Took out Ghostface, like or at least like they threw him down. Got away. Ran into this bodega, and they are screaming at at like. The guy running the register and the guy in the front of the line goes, there's a fucking line here, girl. Yeah, they're like, help us. Um, We're all needing help and there's a line. (laughs) Yeah, everybody there has just been attacked by Ghostface and ran in. (laughs) And they just all started lighting up because the guy's like, oh, oh let's, let's all get in line here. Uh, we've all been stabbed. We are waiting in line, bitches, okay? Just calm down. Yeah, very funny line. Um, and then I, I, that same guy, I think it's the same guy. There's two bu- big bald men that get stabbed immediately. But the first guy is just like, he waits for Ghostface to come up and he's like, we got a problem here, buddy. And then he gets stabbed. Um, yeah. So And then uh, it's, it's Stab City for a little bit there. It's yeah, definitely. I ended up liking that guy uh, quite a bit because he's stupid, um, <laughs> but he's stupid for both like unjust and just ways or whatever. Like at first he's like, "Hey, there's a fucking line here," and then some guy who clearly is Ghostface because he's wearing the fucking mask and has everything. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, fuck you, pal. You got a problem?" Like he's like protecting everyone. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like, he's he's dumb in a very like uh, not examining his surroundings, very with critical thinking, uh, and I like that about. <laughs> There's some yeah. uh, there's some heroes in this scene. The uh, the uh, guy behind the register is on it. Well, sort of. So so if he wouldn't have yelled, "Hey," he, he could have just it. fucking shot Ghostface. Go he ahead. had a shotgun pointed at Ghostface's head. Ghostface back was turned, unaware that this man had a gun pulled on him. And it like there's a second there where you think like he's not going to fire at all. But this, and also to say that Ghostface has already murdered someone in front of him. So it's not like there's any reason he should be, he should hesitate to take a shot at this guy. Especially since he seems pretty comfortable doing that already. But Ghostface has his back turned and the guy yells, hurry! What's (laughs) a beat? Ghostface turns all the way around and then is able to jump out of the way before the guy (laughs) takes a shot. And it's like, like, that's it. Like, you, you know, it's There'll still be things that happen, but like you could have could have taken someone out there pretty easily. Yeah, this whole movie could have been over if the bodega owner had just been a little more on it. I agree. Yeah, the gun stuff and this—it's a recurring problem in this movie that guns are not used <laughs> in a uh, reasonable and exactly. You know That's what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's some problems. We'll get to some of them, but yeah. So this is a this is an interesting scene because you know a lot of the a lot, a lot of the movies have avoided broad daylight stuff. And this movie like really goes in with both feet on, on people be dying in public, you know, the characters getting got in public or whatever, um, which is interesting. All of the, you know, I think this imagery was all over the trailer and I think it got people yeah. pretty excited. Um, it's a well shot scene and it ends with the shopkeeper, like getting the, the keys to the girl so they can escape out the back. But he also gets it in the back uh, yeah. from Ghostface. Big bummer. I do, I do like the new vibe of of this movie. I do like, I do like the New York setting, and I like how they're switching it up, and are just like, um, like all the different like places they're going. Just like when I'm excited to see all the new scenes of Ohio, I'm excited to see all the new (laughs) scenes of New York City. 
I, I do, I love the the bodega part. And I like that it kind of switches up with him once Ghostface has the shotgun and he's had it set, like setting her, um, getting around with that. And it's a little more intense. Um, and uh, Paul, I think you likened this, it, it to this already, but um, mm -hmm. it, it has the Jurassic Park vibe where the two girls are like hiding and he doesn't know where they are. They they try to do like the the sound shifting where they throw the can in a different direction to try to get them like to not know where they are. It's it's just it's pretty well done the way they do it. It's intense. Yeah, it's a cool scene. And yeah, I I, I thought of that, you know, when I was watching, I was just like, this is this feels like they are very purposefully referencing Jurassic Park in a lot of ways. And it almost feels like they're treating Ghostface like an animal. Like you said, they're throwing cans, a clear advertisement for whatever the hell Coors that was. Um <laughs> that specific can i don't remember what it was it has a yellow label but they pick up the can like throw it they're trying to distract him and he kind of acts that way too he's kind of acting like he's an animal hunting something um yeah. and yeah I, I i enjoyed this scene a lot it's and it was like joe said like it's very much what they sort of were selling this movie on when you pull it up or where i streamed it on paramount plus it will um it will like does that stupid autoplay thing like this is the scene that plays like i think this is the thing they're they're they were kind of selling the movie with definitely they this was heavily advertised i think all the i think most of the trailer was the bodega or convenience store or whatever you're going to call it um i think like it was just basically the ghost face like walking in there doing his thing and then that was, i think that was the full trailer for a while it got people excited. People love New York City. It's a cool yeah. place to be in and see. It's fun. Yeah, it's a. I was mentioning earlier that some scenes go on a bit long. I think this is an example of them taking their time in a very good way, um, mm -hmm. drawing those parallels to Jurassic Park and everything. And also, it's like the two main character sisters, right? So, like, we, we should be spending time if they're in peril, you know, seeing how they get out of it. Yeah. You you guys keep saying the scenes are long. I think what would have helped you is what I did. And before I watched this, I watched a very unnecessary Judd Apatow movie. And <laughs> uh, that movie, I didn't know it was Judd Apatow when I started it. And I was like, why is this movie so fucking long? And I was why like, I, it wasn't until the credits where I'm like, that's fucking why. Okay. That's so then I watched... Why. <laughs> and then I watched Scream uh, and I was like this is a nice length of a movie this is how it's done <laughs> I really only felt like the first scene took too long I felt like for it being the longest or tied for the longest or you know second longest Scream it's it I felt like they did a good job with the pacing and like moved it was it along fun pretty, too yeah, yeah. like I, there was not a lot of scenes I did not enjoy and I watched this movie not that long ago and was pretty excited to watch it again just because it's like yeah it's it's a pretty breezy movie to watch um but yeah Judd Apatow sucks <laughs> <laughs> Kelly which one was editing movies uh, the five-year engagement it was oh. uh Jason Siegel and uh um Emily Blunt yeah, I've never seen that. Okay. I, I had never heard of it. It was just, it just came up on my Netflix. I was like, oh, I'll watch that. It, it had, uh, um, I can't even think of her name, so I'm going to stop. Um, so we'll continue with Scream. Um, 
so from here they finally get to the police station so they just kind of they they leave they leave the uh bodega in a very funny way where it's kind of like um so ghostface escapes out the back and then they leave the front and they're surrounded by police and then they both do this like dramatic turn back to like look at the scene it does like this like paint like zoom out and I, I like it's a cool shot, but I'm like, why did they do this? <laughs> like, hmm. what made them turn back around? I'm like, let's take this in. Like, I don't know if it's just kind of like, oh, we're safe now, or like, where did he go, or just kind of like a realization that like it's starting again. I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be. I think I, maybe uh, there was a brief moment where they're like, well, he can't get out, and then uh, they realize that oh, he got the keys and he got out the back door. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't think of it that way. Where they maybe they were thinking he was still in that room. Okay. Yeah, like it's like, oh, there's no, there's nowhere for him to go. He's done. But gotcha. then it's like, oh shit, oh, never mind. And this is why we discuss films. Yeah. <laughs> so from here, um, they are at the police station being questioned by. I don't think I is he Officer Bailey. I don't even know if I ever know this guy's name. I just call him uh, Dad Cop in my notes. Um, I think it's Officer Bailey. Um, and I also do not fully know how to say his name uh, as an actor. So if someone else could say it first, Takers. No. <laughs> I, I, no. Uh, I'm I looking at it and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, take, take the bullet better. here. <laughs> oh, he's silenced. He's gone. <laughs> okay well <laughs> that's okay let's keep moving he's like i wayne... can't take this bullet i'm just gonna fucking leave um, <laughs> wayne wayne bailey is his name okay we'll just call him by that because i i i feel like it's a name that it's kind of it's gonna be like uh dachshunds where i said the name wrong so i was like so confidently wrong with it for so long that i don't think i can handle doing this uh, so they're <laughs> at the they're at the police station joe did you hear any of that yeah, sorry, I had to go muted because uh, people outside my house were going insane. But uh, oh. I think it's Dermot Mulroney. Oh, so I was wrong. Good. Okay, it's yeah. just you have to. Have, I guess I I uh, was also like I don't want to be the one to have to do it because you know, know. When, like, when you feel like I could pronounce that last name and then you get there and it doesn't come out right <laughs> and you get stuck and it's like well I knew it I but it's just it's over. <laughs> anyway yeah it's a, <laughs> i'm glad we got through that yeah uh, insanely irish name uh but he was <laughs> born in the u.s i gotta say when he showed up in the movie um my whole thing was just kind of like okay like uh i wasn't like super excited to see him actually at first i think i kind of confused him for uh uh sid's husband very briefly really? yeah oh, just wow. very briefly because that guy is so forgettable to me in that <laughs> uh that's yeah. how i feel about this guy i never like this guy in anything i feel like he's so boring i feel like I he like does it. a little better in this movie yeah yeah that's what you said i because i i thought that we would have camaraderie when i texted you that i didn't like this guy and you were like i like him um <laughs> but i i just always feel like he's so boring and the way he reads lines is like why did they hire this guy for this role when he's supposed to be charismatic because he's in one of my, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a favorite Christmas movie because it sucks so much and I get so mad every time I watch it, but I keep watching it. <laughs> the Family Stone. Um, okay. It makes me so mad, but I love it so much. He's in that <laughs> movie and he's supposed to be this like charismatic guy that like, he gets like two girlfriends throughout it. But it's like, I hate this guy. Like he has no personality. 
anyway i feel like he's like that in like every movie he's in and and this one i feel like this is the most personality i've ever seen him have so kudos to him for that but yeah yeah. (laughs) he had a pretty long career he was in uh he when he was really young he's a movie called young guns which is like i never heard of that yeah it's like a 1988 western but it's like a hottie showcase of the time because it was like him, Kiefer Sutherland, Emilio Estevez, Lou Diamond Phillips, like Charlie Sheen, ah. like all of these guys who were like considered to be like heartthrobs or whatever. Um, and I would say that Dermot has like the most dad vibes of any of them. He's just he always. Does. Yeah. Silver Fox. <laughs> he was the most boring in Friends. You know what? No, never mind. Okay. <laughs> so. They're at the police station. This is when we're first actually meeting Officer Bailey here. Um, So he is very suspicious of Sam. He thinks that she is the murderer because he found her ID. Um, And he's still like, at at this point, you're just kind of like, all right, so you think this girl's a murderer. You think it's her, but you're still going to let your daughter like stay at the house. It's a little weird, but okay. Um, And he also says that Richie's DNA was in the mask, which I don't know how long DNA just stays in masks that other people wear consistently. I don't know how that works, but um, that is what's going on at this point that um, they're being questioned. I do love Tara's line in here where he asks if there's anyone that um, she could think of that would be wanting to attack them. And she says back, not anyone that's still alive. And he's just like, whoa. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. she's right. <laughs> I thought that was a very funny one. Uh, I think that's what they get a lot with uh, Jenna Ortega's character. She's she's very similar to um, Aubrey Plaza in that way. I think that she can just take like a very simple line and just kind of like uh, the way she just does line mm-hmm. readings. You're just kind of it's just very funny. Like she's very effortlessly funny. Yeah, they do the deadpan well. They sell it. And uh, they 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 have some sort of extra extra. I don't know if it's the creepy is the right word, but uh, very intense or you it's, get the I message. What <laughs> they both the have, what they both have that's very like interesting about both of them is that they're they have very expressive faces for being deadpan. You know, like they both yeah. like they have like like I think it's that they both have very big eyes, but it's just like. When a lot of other people try to do deadpan, it's just like completely shutting your face down and it doesn't work that way. It's got, they have to have the expressive eyes, expressive facial features to For like sure. actually pull it off. It's yeah. the glare. It's the glaring. The glare. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also in the same scene, we get to re-see Kirby. Kirby is back. Kirby, Kirby is in the FBI. She's uh, back. Scream fours, Kirby. <laughs> This reveal okay. was insane. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, it's just an insane reveal. Like, <laughs> I probably should have suspected something just because, Kelly, you and I have talked about this movie. I, I was very on record about not wanting to see this movie after I saw uh, uh, Five because of the way I felt like they dealt with some of the legacy characters and just, like, the general direction of, like, the violence and shit was just kind of, like, not quite my vibe. Um, but I do remember like hearing Kirby's name a lot, sort of just like vaguely alluded to from, you know, social media, whatever, just still had zero idea. So she just shows <laughs> up and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it caught me off guard too. They hit it very well with the media, like before, like going up to this movie, because I saw it in theaters and was like, Kirby, like I had no idea. Yeah. 
it was very cool to see. I, I thought it was fun. It was, a, I, I, I didn't catch this. I wrote this down because I've seen this movie three times now. I saw it in theaters I, and then I watched it twice before this just because I wasn't paying attention the first time. Um, so I watched it and I didn't catch that they went to high school together until this third time mm. watching it, which I thought was a bizarre detail to kind of throw in there. Because that means that Sam was there for the first murders, but she doesn't seem to connect with those at all, you know? Well, not necessarily right, because, oh no, that, yeah, you're right, because they would have She said been, she was a senior when she yeah, was a yeah. freshman. And uh, all that stuff happened when they were seniors, and yeah, that is funny that she never says like, oh man, this is just like what happened my freshman year of high school. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah, she... <laughs> And she doesn't like bring that, like, she has no, like, when she talks about all this stuff at all, it's just, especially in that first one, all this shit's coming out of nowhere. I was like, bitch, this happened to you, supposedly, your freshman year of high school. Yeah, that's funny. I, I honestly it, didn't, I mean, I heard that. And I didn't ever piece that together. Like, oh, yeah, maybe she should have, like, like, especially in five, where it doesn't seem like she ever was like, hey like i'm pretty familiar with this like i was pretty she, close to everything last time it happened and because it's not like she didn't know her because that's how she described how she knew her she's like kirby yeah. like you went to high school with me so we're close enough to like be on a first name basis and i went to school with you oh right. remember when you were stabbed okay joe has something to say that's right <laughs> i'm dropping elbows here uh, Sam was going through some serious shit, okay? She found out about Billy being her dad, and then her mom was like, don't tell anybody else in my family or I'll cut you off. And like, she was going through some shit, okay? Well, okay, enough, in the first one, she, she couldn't have at least said this happened, Joe. Like, I, <laughs> she was there, supposedly. Yeah, they're all acting as if they're, they're whole, their connection to it is like through the books and stuff. Like, they're like, oh no, you're... You're from Woodsboro, you know, and it's like, no, you were at school when people were getting <laughs> murdered. <laughs> like, yeah, you were you... literally part of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's know. totally <laughs> unnecessary. Uh, it was just a weird thing to throw in with, like, having, like, if they needed a backstory, why would you choose that with, like, so many loose ends? Like, it could yeah, have been anything. Literally, all you need to say is that she also grew up in Woodsboro and she went through the murders, like a, a series of murders herself. Yeah. Like that's yeah. all you need to know about Kirby. And that's that's enough of a connection. Yeah, really. And, and it but, is very funny the way the way people are being stabbed in these new ones, Kirby revealing her one stab wound, like we're supposed <laughs> to gasp at that. Like, uh, the rest of us have been stabbed multiple times. Do not show us your one stab wound, please. Like, yeah, Jenna okay. Ortega is doing insanely well for having been just carved yeah. like a fucking Thanksgiving <laughs> turkey in that first movie. Like, you know, uh, obviously some people may have found it annoying, but like, you know, when Dewey got stabbed once, uh, there was like some <laughs> mm -hmm. acting that kind of showed that. Uh, this is no shade to Jenna or whatever, but it's just very funny that like these characters just get mutilated in the next movie. They're like, I'm a perfectly healthy. Yeah. <laughs> they have a neck brace. It's it feels like that. It feels like that, you know, I'm gonna be okay in a sling after going through one of the, <laughs> you know, worst accidents of your life. It's just like, oh no, it's I'm gonna pull through. Oh it's guys. okay. They're 19. Uh, they can do anything. That's true. I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> They're 19. 
<laughs> Bitch, I'm 19. Stab me as much as you want. <laughs> Except for Kirby, she can only be stabbed once. Delicate well, flower. I'll go over this, but I am. Uh, well, I feel like we should all maybe write a, an X Men uh, tie-in to the Screen Universe, as uh, it seems like what? maybe maybe they have some healing powers. Where oh, at first I was like, "Where's this coming from?" But, okay, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, no, the where my brain first went to was like Wolverine with his knife hands or whatever, being like, oh, <laughs> what I do. And then uh, stabbing people 35 times and then still living and then being like, I, hmm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's also revealed that Sam and Tara cannot leave town because they are suspects. So, Right now, you'd be like, be, like, get out of town. Like, the, the murders are going down. But So they had to make a firm reason why they could not do that. And it's because yeah. they are persons of interest in this case now. And so they cannot leave New York City, the Big Apple, New York City. I do like, to with the, the dad, uh, whatever his name is, Wayne Bailey. Officer Bailey. Officer Bailey. Uh, how dad. he kind of is very intense about it. He's like, you guys can't leave. You're chief suspects. And then we have the Kirby being like, he's right. So I kind of <laughs> like how they kind of sold it like that, you know, where it's like, because I feel like it could have easily quickly been the cop as the uh, prime suspect or the person that, that you would assume. But they, I think they did a good job balancing it with Kirby and a couple of other things that they threw you off a little bit. Yeah. And just with the death of... um his son Quinn. too and kind of was Quinn oh. have we talked about that that hasn't happened yet has it that hasn't yet. happened yet so I'm okay. gonna and not say that again uh so from here <laughs> we meet up with our good pal Gail again um Gail. Gail is as always um introduced like they do not know her and she's just like this cruel person every single time we re like reintroduce it to Gail <laughs> Gail wrote it she swore she would not write a book at the end she said she was gonna write a book about a nice cop named Dewey and she didn't do it she wrote another book about the murders of Richie and she made it into a movie, so she gets punched. Well, she gets swiped by Sam, and then full on punched by Tara. Um, good, and good I don't, I, yeah, funny. I don't. I, it was very fun, but I don't know. Gail just goes to mean camp as soon as she leaves the film, <laughs> and then she comes back. And she's like got this whole other attitude where she's like, "I don't know you, you don't know me," and I'm like, Gail we've grown together in so many movies and we're always right back here where we start. We always kind of keep punching the face. And it must have been, <laughs> just quickly, I just wanted to say that, like, I mean, it must have been pretty quick, right? This is supposed to be a year afterwards. So Gail yeah. must have immediately been like, you know what, I am going to write a book about this. And that had to be, you know, published and and all that stuff too and i think maybe uh, they, they didn't mention any movies in this one so i think yeah. it was just the book just the book there's, there's a a classic uh like uh audio cue from spongebob squarepants of i think uh, i think spongebob is doing like stand-up or something and a guy in the crowd's like oh this guy stinks uh, <laughs> i feel like that's what they do with gail every fucking <laughs> they, just, they play that cue being like oh this one again I will say that I do enjoy how quickly she brushes it off and just sort of like, come on, you guys know me. Like, you know what I'm really all about. 
Like it's the same, like Kelly was talking about like, Gail, we've grown with you. And it's almost like Gail expects people to, to know that as well. Like you have to end up yeah. trusting her because she's proved herself in the past, even with all of her little foibles. So I do, <laughs> I do like that. Her attitude is just like, okay, yeah, I wrote, I wrote a book and got rich again. Shut up. Come on. Let me help. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of feel, I almost feel like they did justify it. I was kind of like, okay, like. I it's you get mad at Gale, but it's like that's what you do. Everything you're supposed to always get mad at Gale. And you know what like... though? <laughs> I do think that uh Tara hits it the nail on the head when she delivers that cutthroat line where she says, Without Ghostface, you're just gonna fade away. Which I think maybe uh, especially based on how she couldn't write without like I, I forget which movie she just couldn't figure out what to write in, but it was one of the previous screens. Um, without the ghost face she couldn't write so I think that that's that's all she knows what to do and I think that Tara saying that was like a goddamn like yeah you're right uh, yes that's good and it also like um like the crowd that the audience at least those of us who've been watching since the first movies we love Gail we have an attachment to Gail Sid has an attachment to Gail that we explored a little bit in the last movie which was really fun um but like these kids don't really have that connection. I mean, if anything, they all just met her for the first time in the last movie and then Gail sold him out and there aren't really any legacy characters left to really vouch for Gail. So I do get like them not having the same level of trust for her as the audience does. True. Sure. And I do like that she, like, I, I, know, I know that this was done as like the nod to um, Sid, but it's just kind of like, I do like that she just immediately pulls her name out. I do, I think that she uses Sydney sometimes as like a, a leveler for her she's just kind of like um Sid's okay she sends her love like I'm yeah. good people I know good people yeah and it fucking whips I love it <laughs> it does yeah Earn, she's how many times have Sydney uh, and her saved each other's skins like if you ever need to That's use true. Other, yeah if you ever need to use each other's <laughs> names to get a little cred I think they'd both be okay with it yeah there's an understanding there there's like yeah, you use my name whenever you want like I, lo I loved it I was just kind of like that's very funny she's just kind of like these girls hate me um Sid called and she said she likes me okay and she's fine um but yeah I did I did like that they're just kind of like Sydney's okay she's just gonna be like away <laughs> Yeah, like um, Sydney's like Sydney totally deserves this. She's done this five times. Gail should probably think about this a little bit. Like, <laughs> uh, it might be time, Gail, for you to uh, just retire and uh, chill out somewhere and not deal with this. But yeah, Sydney's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's I, finally I like, like, you know what, you're on your own. <laughs> there, it's a little on the nose, but I do like when the the younger characters ask after Sydney, and then Gail says. You know, she's getting out of town with her husband and her kid and her kids or whatever. And then she says uh, she's earned her happy ending. And I'm like, yeah, that's a little on the nose. But also, I like them paying homage to that character. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, who knows if it's if it's actually the end for Sydney in these movies. We don't know. We'll see in Scream 7. But for now, it's a nice, it's a nice possible send off for the character to be like, they've graduated they're in they're in scream heaven now they they're safe you know <laughs> marked safe yeah <laughs> um so from here we go to the therapist's house so we get our um therapist he's alone in his house he hears a knock on his door um 
I personally, it's, I feel like he, he does the yell out where he's like, um, it's not Halloween yet. Cause he can obviously tell that this person is in some kind of costume or it's like mm-hmm. just kind of like a weird figure at his door. I would not have gotten any closer to that door. This scene made no sense to me. There's hmm. a weird looking freak at your door knocking on it. I would have pretended not to be home once I saw it was like a weird, like masked figure. Um, so I think a lot of this is on the therapist. So in this scene, <laughs> in the scene, the therapist. That's, that's just a major victim blaming. <laughs> he got too close to the, I mean, come on, like who gets too close to their door? <laughs> This so guy has this... a reaction. He deserves it. <laughs> I didn't know you guys were such uh, therapist apologists. I'm so sorry. No, you're totally uh, right. <laughs> I want to in the quickly in this before we scene, go. All I, I want to do is say what happens in this scene. Go ahead. Oh, I know. It's just the the movie. What was the? Does anyone know what the movie was? Because there's a movie the therapist was watching, and it's screaming at uh, him. You're next. Your next is obviously a scene for the oh. movie, but uh, I didn't I even know notice that. That's I funny. Just, I think it was uh, someone's going to yell at me for this, but I think it was like Body Snatchers or something because one of those movies ends with a character like pointing at the audience, being like, "You're next," and "You're next." Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think it's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I could be wrong. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, I Paul, I I didn't even notice. I wasn't even paying attention to what he was watching too. So that was like a. She's saying he uh, that's fun um but yeah he so he like walks to the door and then this is the uh all that happens in the scene is he the ghost face punches through the glass he whips the therapist's face through and he punch and he stabs through so he kills the therapist mm. and then he breaks in and takes uh sam's file so that's the entire scene um i i wrote down in my notes i thought it was very funny because sam mentions when she went to see her therapist that she saw several therapists and they all reacted like poorly like this guy did and this guy turned her in um but i thought it was very like sad that he was like oh god i had to be like the last therapist she saw so now i have to be murdered there's like a line of therapists that could have been murdered in my place (laughs) i'm the last guy that has her file like what what like the luck so sorry for this man Now you're, yeah, you're all on the <laughs> therapist side. Um, I, yeah, I it's a pretty you. short scene. There's not much to it. It's <laughs> like, he comes to the door. He's saying like, trick or treat or go away. You're a day early. He's walking towards the door. It's a glass door um, and it's opaque. You can kind of see an outline. You can tell that there's maybe a hood. So, but you can't see. Um, it's not an inviting figure. For sure. It's not, but it's it's daytime. And he's walking, t- I don't know, like, I don't frequently think I'm going to get stabbed in the face through a door <laughs> either. So usually I think I'm like, I'm at least safe <laughs> to go I up just to think the door. It's funny, if I get a knock on my door that I'm not expecting, I drop to the ground, like... <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm not answering the door for a random person. No. Kelly, I, I'm going to I'm gonna dovetail with this here and say that this movie has a really, really, really big problem that a bunch of the, that none of the other movies have, I think, because this one's the latest one. And this one now involves like 20 years of people putting on that fucking ghost face outfit and killing people. <laughs> and maybe because I live in the United States of America, but I'm pretty sure I know how this works. If that actually happened in real life, 
Our federal Congress would pass a law that allows you to shoot people in the head if they wear that <laughs> outfit. It's insane that 20 years into this like timeline fiction that people still wear that. And like people are just sort of like, eh, sometimes you got to wear it. No, no, Absolutely. Yeah. I even make that note later. There's a subway scene later where I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? There's like this guy's on the loose and this many people on the train are wearing that fucking costume. So we'll get to that later. But it's just like it, it's bizarre. Yeah. To keep seeing that. Mm. It shouldn't yeah. be happening. Yeah, we mentioned it, I think, as early as like even like Scream 2 or something. I think it was you, Kelly, that was like, you can't just wear that anymore. It's like <laughs> so gruesome. And at the time I was like, well, the stab movies just came out and like, this is a crass, you know, society, a comment on American society. But by movie six, <laughs> steps must be taken. <laughs> I was so ahead of my time to be outraged by That's Scream right. 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. I love being outraged. Um, so from here, we, uh, this is a very short scene. The therapist just kind of gets brutally murdered and then Ghostface up to this point has been very lucky at getting away. Um, uh, uh, like even the fake Ghostface, it's like Samara Weaving was being murdered in a, in an alleyway that was very open to a lot of people walking by. Not one person noticed anything and he, he took his sweet time with that. So Ghostface has been taking his sweet time at most of these killings and is just like walking out with uh, not a scratch, not a witness, not a anything. So pure luck so far. Um, so from here, we get to back to the kids who are on outdoor at a campus. Um, and this is the gathering of the rules. Which Mindy gets to... Um, tell again which is fun because now it's a franchise she says um but i'll let you guys jump in because there's a lot of stuff happens in this thing it's fun uh i i think at this point in like i i appreciate that the characters in the fiction are like here we go again because you know there's a certain level of that that i was experiencing as well as an audience member i don't think they spent all that much time going over the uh, uh requel part two rules or whatever mm -hmm. uh so they they did it in a pretty snappy fashion but yeah, generally, it kind of repeats some of the requel stuff where they're like, it's bigger, it's badder, uh, and like being a, a legacy character is not in your favor anymore. And it's like, all right, yeah, like that. It's all good. But I do like her character. I like that uh, Mindy, right? Um, Mindy. Yeah. I like her character uh, twist or or not twist, but like uh, facet where like she got it wrong last time. She, she wasn't able to predict who the killer was. And now she's really invested in figuring it out this time. Oh. Um, I don't know if you guys, I, I didn't really like Mindy in the first one, but I loved her in this one. I, I don't know if it's just subtle difference or just spending more time with her character. Because I think that was another complaint that we had for the other one is you didn't really spend a lot of time with each individual character. I think that they kind of fixed that with this one. So I don't know if it was just spending more time with her and she kind of got to flesh out her character a little more, but I really liked Mindy in this one. I quickly, I quickly thought Mindy was annoying in the first one. I think only because Chad... I think Chad does the rules where he kind of kicks it off and then it's like, and then Mindy shows up and it's like, okay, so is she just the same character? Like, mm -hmm. so I think I was immediately annoyed and then I just never really like warmed up to her that much. But yeah, I think she immediately like, like she is, I, I enjoy her a lot in this movie and she does a really good job with this whole thing and i really like that she yeah i like how she's like so like she 
she loves these movies. She studied them. She knows how they work. She wants so badly to be the one who figures it out. And yeah. like I think it's more humanizing that that she's like not supposed to be the expert anymore because I think, like you said, she got it wrong before. So now it's kind of like I'm redeeming myself now. It's it's more fun coming from that angle, I think, than just like I know exactly what's happening and I'm like already an expert kind of deal that she kind of had in the first one. That's true. Yeah. I did. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, we talked in the the last movie about how there was like a glut of of new characters, and we didn't really get to spend much time with a bunch of them, like you were saying, Kelly. So, like you know, Wes, I think was really underserved in the last movie, and I think uh, Mindy was also underserved because she was vying with mostly Amber, I think, for screen time, where they had like similar qualities, where they're like kind of funny and kind of like laid back or whatever. Um, but we had to spend time, obviously, with Amber because Amber turns out to be the killer or what have you, or one of the two. Um, so yeah, I think Mindy wasn't quite, didn't get quite as much to do. And now in this movie, she has a relationship with uh, Annika, I think is the character's name uh, that we were trying to remember earlier. Um, so yeah, she gets fleshed out more and uh, both her and Chad get a lot more to do. Um, I think in a way that really pays off. And I think they, they also, they, they, they obviously did this a little bit in the first one, but I think they're, twin relationship was a little more fleshed out in this one like i liked that they had like just like very subtle like i don't want you to get hurt either he's like yeah uh so there's like little things like that that were just very sweet and i think that kind of made her like because i think before she was little like she was very hard in the first one i think and she came off way softer in in the second one which i thought was nice yeah she's like detached in the first movie she's literally only there to uh to deliver the rules and to be like the randy stand-in and then in this movie she's given like dimensionality yeah definitely yeah yeah well, and then we land at the end of her speech we land on everyone's a suspect again so um no like every no one's off limits uh everyone's a suspect we got the uh we got some stuff pointed out i think we got Ethan was like the big one that people were pointing. And then she even her own girlfriend, you just said her name and I already forgot it. Annika. Um, Annika. Uh, so everyone, everyone is a suspect again. And that is where we yeah. are. Yeah, I like that. I like how I like the whole thing where she's like really out of it. It's Ethan. I like that dynamic between them where she's like yeah. never trust him and doesn't like him and like <laughs> Yeah, so I think she played that really well. Um, I think, is it in this scene where he just says that he doesn't want to die a virgin? She was like, weird thing to say, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's that like, a weird overshare. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, so from here, we go back to the police station. Um, and this is where Kirby and Detective Bailey are kind of working together. Um, they're sharing their evidence and they're going through all the different ghost faces. So what's happening is every time someone's murdered, they're finding another ghost face with the DNA of one of the other killers. And they're kind of going in order, I think, backwards. So I think they found Amber and Richie's masks first, and then they found uh, Charlie and Jill's next. So it, now they're sensing a pattern and they are realizing how many kills there are going to be and what the killer is like kind of pointing towards so that is what the detectives are up to now um they're both kind of acting like they don't trust each other while they're going through this so i think right now you're kind of like supposed to be suspecting both of them at the same time obviously 
everyone's a suspect. So that's always what's happening in Scream. But right now it's like very obvious that they're just kind of like, I don't like this person. I don't like what's going on with the FBI. (laughs) Yeah, they're doing a good job of of moving things along at this stage because we do have to like get down to the nitty gritty of trying to start eliminate core characters. Uh, Is this where we get the core four discussion? Um, right after this. So they're at the okay. police station now. And then right after this, we go back to the apartment, which we don't really have much to say about the, uh, police station. So we can jump there if you'd like to. Yeah. So no, it's, yeah, yeah. It's I just a very, it's a fun, um, you know, what I said earlier that I think this movie is more interesting in the previous one in a lot of ways. And one of the ways it's more interesting, I think is that they do it. There's, there's a lot of dialogue in this movie. Um, yeah. I would bet more dialogue in this movie than any other scream at least in terms of like interiority of the characters um there's a lot of character development um which it it may not be like you know groundbreaking or anything like that but we you know we didn't have any of that really in the last movie except for uh sam and tara so for this movie you know they just kind of got the bummed out uh rundown of the rules where like everybody's a, a suspect and also everybody's a target in the in this requel sequel um but you know chad's over here being like kind of like trying to put a brave face on being like core four talking about him and tara and sam and uh mindy right um right. and he's trying to make core four catch on and they're like absolutely not but he's like <laughs> yeah. on we're the core four and, it and is, that was fun it was cute yeah i do like these characters like i i did because we didn't spend a lot of time with them in the previous movie i didn't feel that they had the same charisma or connection is like the original core characters from scream one that did you know sustain the original trilogy in this movie i think they take a very good step forward of uh you know making those four survivors from the previous movie likable in that same way but is it too late (laughs) but all i have written from that scene is just yeah the core four is getting together and Pretty much everyone is telling everyone else, you don't have to be here. You can leave. Like, that's what uh, all their conversations personally seem to be being. It's like uh, Mindy's girlfriend. She's like, you don't have to be here. And then uh, Tara to Chad, you don't have to be here. Like, you got, you can leave. You can get out of this. Like, no, we're the core four. We got this. Um, so it's just kind of like, uh, it's a big sleepover at this point, which I think is uh, is also the bonding moment that you're kind of uh, going towards too. It's just kind of like, oh, they're all together. Like they're sticking together. This is going to be, this is like them like reinforcing that bond. I uh, I said last time that I was kind of annoyed by Richie and that dialogue and, and the... Um whatever it is, millennial dialogue. I don't even know if I exactly know what I mean by that or <laughs> what that means, but like, I kind of felt that a little bit with the core four talk, but then they did a really good job with it. And then it just made me think like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just like, if they sold it well, it seemed like it, it felt like a real conversation. Like a lot of times it, it feels so manufactured or it's like, have this character do they didn't, it didn't feel like something that was out of character for Chad to do. And they, like the other characters played off of it well too. Like, it felt like an actual conversation that you'd be like, a, like the, the part where um, like everyone was refusing to give him the high five just felt very real. It was like, yeah. and Tara was like, it was fun to see these characters having fun where she's just kind of like, you're not getting it from me. And they're like, don't feed into this. So it just felt very, it felt very like friend grippy and fun. 
because you get the sense that it's like oh chad's in on the joke we're having fun where a lot of those play it so straight that you're kind of supposed to feel like it's like well here's the annoying character that wants the high five and the stern guy that won't give it to, like it just it felt like they were playing you know they were just having fun together i guess it was goofy yeah it was cute I like um, it. And I do. <laughs> it's very funny. The new guy, uh, Danny, is the only one that's not allowed into this, uh, like, little <laughs> Quinn and uh, Mindy's girlfriend are allowed to be there. But Danny has to watch from across the street, which plays into the next scene. But it's like, why doesn't he get to be there at all? Like, I know he's not the core four, but he's just kind of like, guys, yeah. I'm in the window. <laughs> very funny. Um, and they also, this is the scene also where they're all watching TV and they see that Sam is the main suspect in all this, which makes no sense. But obviously it kind of, uh, we learn later new information why that would probably be the case. But it's like, she's like the, uh, they're like hyping her up as like this like crazy murderer, even though it, as Kirby says, like, they're they're hyping her up as the murderer because the therapist dies and takes her file but then kirby's like so she killed her like only witness and alibi and took her file like a very obvious thing to do like so it makes no sense but okay my fault my alibi didn't work my (laughs) therapist died Oh, I don't know what to tell you. Like that—that's her plan, apparently. He was stabbed. (laughs) Oh no. no. I have a history of hating stabbing. I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about alibis now because it's about to come up in a very in a scene very soon where I was like, there's so much discussion of like alibi and a, a character insisting they have an alibi. And I'm like, motherfucker, we all know in this movie that there's at least two killers more often than not. So like the whole thing is like, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. nowhere to be seen when someone got stabbed. Like that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> that never it seems to never be a conversation topic where it's like well it couldn't have been this person it's like yeah but every one of these movies or like every one of these situations except for one there's been two of them so maybe we should start to look for two people or multiple yeah, people no. like it just never They're happens like, <laughs> roman did it by himself and it could happen again they all yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, points for points for effort or points for inspiration or something like that Oh yeah. Um, so from this scene, they're they're still doing their core four shit and they're all excited and showing that. And this is when Danny across the hall, um, I, they keep saying it's across the hall. I don't really know how it, their building works. So maybe it's one of those buildings that wraps around so the windows face each other. I don't know. So um, Danny across the hall sees uh, through his window, ghost face. And he's trying to alert Sam to Ghostface because he sees him in Quinn's room. Um, so he sees um, Sam um, in the core four and he's trying to get their attention. He even tries calling. At that point, um, Sam had just actually told everybody that she's hooking up with Danny across the street. So they're all kind of like goofing on her. And so when he calls, they see like his name and they, she uh, Tara pretends to answer the phone. So they're still goofing off and... Danny's trying to call and be like, the fuck, ghost face is in there. So uh, this is one of those scenes where you're like yelling at the screen and also at Danny because he calls once and then he just stays in his apartment like yelling. And he Which, doesn't I mean, text it, like, please answer your fucking phone exa- right yeah. now. 
<laughs> I think like, at that point you're still supposed to like uh, we're still suspecting everybody so you're like okay well this guy's not doing enough um and so it's just kind of like yeah he doesn't text he doesn't call more than once he's just yelling he doesn't call the police he doesn't try to get over to the apartment in any way which is funny um but um th while this is all going down so Ghostface is uh is kills Gwen Quinn excuse me um and so then the core four is kind of alerted to oh shit something's going on and that is when quinn is pushed out of the doorway um by Ghostface, and they're like oh shit like stuff's going on so that that's where we are at in the story there's a, a lot going on again so i don't want to uh monopolize the talking yeah quinn um it, it, she is the sex positive roommate and earlier we heard her like moaning through the wall and uh and um sam was sort of kind of like ruefully chugging like yeah quinn's at it again so that comes up again oh, this yeah. time where you hear a lot of like muffled like could be moaning could be yelling could be mm -hmm. struggling whatever and of course obviously it ends up being the latter um but they are kind of joking around being like oh there we go quinn doing her thing which i thought was a tiny bit weird because like did they were they not aware that she had somebody over or something? I don't know. That's they, true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah everyone's a suspect. She yeah. just has a random it man. It seems like a us. sexual partner. Like, Declare yeah, like a sexual partner. Yeah. But yeah, so she gets thrown out. It's, uh, you know, breaks down the door from her room. Uh, and she's, you know, it's pretty knifed up and gross looking. Uh, and then everybody starts freaking out and, you know, starts to uh you know flee i guess uh and this is good i think again like it's an interesting movie where they are so they have multiple people in the room with ghostface and like it's an enclosed space um they don't really gang up on him you know and they could yeah that's true but everybody yeah, like i i point that out just because i think it comes up again later um and and danny is still in the uh um in the windows yelling which is funny to me. It's just kind of like, at this point, you got to like just do something. I know that he does in, in a later scene, but it's just kind of like, uh, at this point, you're just, it, it feels like the the Scream 4 where they're just watching Olivia get murdered and they're just kind of like, oh man, I wish something could be done, but uh, we're just watching this. It's horrible. <laughs> they um, are, that, they're, they're like 17. I, I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Danny's a full grown man. That's right. Uh, but I, there are there are little comedy bits in this that are, are funny too, because they kind of split up in this. So um, Tara and Chad, I think, both get locked out immediately because they both run out and then she shuts the door. She doesn't have the key. Um, uh, Mindy's girlfriend gets stabbed immediately after Quinn gets like thrown out. Mm. So she's injured. Mindy's arm gets slashed. And then her, Sam, and Mindy's girlfriend are like trying to run through and they run through the bathroom where they find um Quinn's uh lover in there and they're just kind of like that guy's dead yeah <laughs> they don't even give him like anything <laughs> they're just kind of like well that guy's dead shit <laughs> which I thought was very funny like they were going out but I think yeah. this is one of um another very very fucking intense scene I think it's just like a very it, it's just a, it, I think with the heights alone it's just a very scary scene so Danny finally does help out. He has a gigantic ladder in his apartment for God knows what reason. Who knows what Danny does in his free time that needs that ladder, but he has one. 
so he has a ladder in his apartment and stretches it across the two windows so the the girls can start crawling across so um sam crawls across first and she gets through um mindy and her girlfriend are both very um mindy's still trying to hold the door and her uh a girlfriend's was stabbed so she's like very injured so they start to go through and it's just such a fucking intense scene once ghostface actually gets over there and um the last girl is like trying to go through and he starts just fucking with her and moving the ladder oh, around such yeah. it was so intense like i could feel that and it, like i hated it so much yeah i, I mean hate like it's like well done for making you hate Ghostface, obviously and yeah like, but it's a very intense and sad scene that anika gets that that scene is pretty like you know for as brutal as a lot of the multiple stabbings are she she gets like he stabs her in the gut and then starts kind of cutting up and oh, God, yeah. it's just really hard to watch and it, it's like she is in critical condition mindy has they, they've escaped to the bedroom this is where they're trying to cl- cross the ladder over to danny's apartment and ghostface is slamming his body into the door and mindy's like holding a dresser against the door trying to keep it closed while everyone's crossing and it is it's very like it's it's pretty terrifying and sad and, and when yeah like fine like Mindy's trying to tell I feel like it's they're kind of saying too that Anika's kind of like I'm dead like Mindy yeah. please go ahead of me because I'm not making it through this like and I think it, it's just one of those it was a really well done and and really sad moment where it's just kind of like they both kind of realize or like Mindy realizes that and then she goes and makes it across and then Anika is is crossing while Ghostface is is being a fucking yeah just one of those just, for some, I like, think this goes back go to like uh, what Joe was saying with the torture porn like I don't like people being fucked with that much before they die yeah. I don't like I like I don't know like as much as like oh you're watching horror anyway but it's just it's a very intense feeling like at least give people some kind of honor like I don't know I just I don't like watching people be fucked with it just it really like it gives me such a bad reaction uh, I yep. think that yeah go ahead, do go with ahead. You. yeah sorry I was just saying like, right there with you we talked last time about how the reason I came away from scream six um or scream five sorry uh not super happy with it was because of the way I felt like some characters were getting mocked as they were killed, especially mm-hmm. characters that like I have an attachment to. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer it when like, yeah, like the character gets some respect, gets some due. Um, and you, even if it's just fighting back a little bit, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller's character comes to mind in, uh, in the second one where, yeah, she's not like the, the most um, plucky victim in the entire series but she's she's pushing for that title uh they give her character a lot of respect this character i like the respect they gave her uh anika that um she loves mindy and essentially sacrifices herself because as paul was saying she's kind of already coded as being you know dead um mortal wounds and all that they kiss she gets mindy you know help holds the door while mindy gets across the ladder like she gives her life in service of of somebody she loves, which is a good moment. Yeah. But then, yeah, for her to get shaken off the ladder. And also, like, I'm just going to say this. I think her death, like from a makeup 
perspective didn't look particularly great. Like she falls down the uh, the the space of the building into the alley, and her head caroms off of a a dumpster. Yeah. And they had they had to shoot it in like such a way where, to me, it was very obvious that like no serious impact. I mean, obviously, no serious impact occurred with the actor, but like. You can see movies, especially in like the 80s and 90s where they had more practical effects where it looked a bit more realistic. And in this movie, I don't know, it just kind of felt like a little exploitation-y without any like real artistry to it in the in the death moment itself. I don't yeah. know what Anika did to anybody in this movie, but she just, she got, that was another part of it too, because it was the ladder shaking, which I just felt like, like you were all saying where it's like, you don't have a moment where she gets a good hit in or gets a line in, or at least like injuries. Yeah him and then it's like it and like she does this huge sacrifice which is awesome but it's like and then it's like the mocking with the ladder and then it's like not like a dignified death after that either it's like she could have fallen and it's like okay we know she's already already mortally wounded at this point she's not going to survive that but then we get the extra hit her like kind of like almost like it would be played like it would have been played in a comedy like she yeah. hits her head on the dumpster and then like kind of flips yeah. around and lands. Like It felt like, I know this got a lot of criticism, but it felt like the death in, in the new Jurassic Park where they had the, the babysitter for what, like no reason, just have the most brutal death for, like they had her um, carried off by a pterodactyl and then they had her like eaten by a sea monster after she was dunked by the pterodactyl like 17 times here's kind of like what the fuck like why 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 is this enjoying like the only thing she does up to that point is she tells her like her uh fiance on the phone that she doesn't want him to have a bachelor party i think and that's supposed to be enough that we're like this bitch oh man she's gonna uh, get it I hope she dies the worst death I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that's what it felt like. It's like you didn't even get to spend that much time with this character. And she like, and then for whatever reason, you're like, why was that so fucking brutal? It felt personal. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, as she exits the film, uh, respect to Devin Nakoda, I think I say her name, uh, a Canadian actress. Um, I thought she did as much as you could possibly do in this movie for as little time as she got. Uh, she did. She she's really memorable. is. Yeah, she's memorable, and especially because like the only thing that she's really given to do in the movie is to be like very attractive and to be the love interest for Mindy and kind of get told like, we can't trust you. You're the love interest. But uh, I, I think she, she comes through really well. Yeah. Yeah, they tried to kind of do the same thing with her that they did with uh, Chad's girlfriend in the first one. But she was way more likable than Chad's girlfriend, I think, with it. Because they were just kind of like, uh, yeah, you're the love interest, but sorry, sweetie. Uh, but she was just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. I, I feel like she, especially the way she went, I, 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 like you guys were saying, she kind of sacrificed herself and died a little bit heroically before she was fucked with. But I, I think they kind of did that the same thing with both characters, but she definitely played it way better. Yeah, for sure. Also, the, the character in the last movie, it was like, it's the classic, like, oh, is she being withholding with, like, physical intimacy? And, like, that's not an issue at all for Anika and Mindy in this movie. Like, they have a very obviously loving relationship, which is nice. Yeah. Right. Um, so from here, um, and this is what, even though they they say it repeatedly and, like, it's it's obvious, but, like, um, 
so the cop that was on this case, Officer Bailey, um, so he comes out of the building. And I don't even know why my brain doesn't go to Quinn just died, but it's just kind of like uh that that always like threw me that threw me from a loop, I think all three times I watched it. I'm like, oh yeah, his daughter just died. <laughs> like he comes out and he's just kind of like, uh, I was taken off the case because of Quinn. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> oh, it's his daughter. <laughs> 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 I'm an idiot. You're just going to let um, some kind of dead daughter get in the way of doing your job, you asshole. <laughs> so, yeah, that's when that's revealed. And then um, this is a scene that's also very interesting once once you know the full story. I'm, I'm not going to give it away now, but it's like um, Sam and Officer Bailey have a back and forth where he's like, nobody fucks with my family and like stares her dead in the eye and she goes agreed and like looks back and like that's a very intense moment in this scene where you're just kind of like at first you're like yeah they're on the same page and then later you're like what the fuck (laughs) um so yeah pop is taken off the case so yeah this this all moves very fast from this moment um so from here gail comes up and she says that she found a warehouse that has like um, that was rented out to the two the two guys from the very beginning of this movie. So she says she found a warehouse and it's like a shrine to um, Scream. So she comes and tells them that. She tells Kirby and the cop and they they uh, um, all go down there. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, so I'm trying not to forget stuff, which is why I'm kind of breezing over. Yeah. Stuff. So yeah, that's where we are right now. Let's uh, let's have a moment right here to to give some love to the dialogue between uh gail and kirby like it's pretty yes. fun mm-hmm. yeah because gail's like hey i found this uh this warehouse that was owned by the two jokers who got killed in the very early part of the movie or at least their names were on it and kirby's like how did you find that out and she's like how did you not <laughs> like yeah an investigative journalist also you should be able to do this but they're also kind of like joking about how um you know gail looks at kirby and he's like you're just a kid and kirby's like i am 30 and she's like you're a <laughs> uh but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it's a- the same vibe as the Parker Posey relationship, I think. Yes, absolutely, and it's just fun to see two, uh, you know, heroines and and le- uh, legacy characters that we both like. You know, we all like um, getting a chance to kind of chop it up a little bit in the movie proper. Uh, if we can't have Sid, and for a lot of reasons, I'm glad we don't. Um, I like that Kirby kind of steps in that role a little bit of like the old hand who is uh, joking around with with Gail a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Gail needs somebody to like kind of push on because like I feel like that's when her character shines where it's kind of like oh I get to be I'm the hero and I get to like push somebody down a little bit. It's not like in a negative way. It's more of like she just needs that someone to push off of I guess. And it just really makes her character like push forward I feel like. It just it's like it feels like it's a negative thing but it's not. No, totally. Um, and then in that same vein, is this the sequence or around the same time where she has kind of that uh, touching conversation with Sam? Or is that a bit later? I think that is, I know that I wrote that down, so I don't see it in my okay. notes, but I think, I feel like it is, but I don't know. Oh, it's okay. We'll yeah, get to it one or the other. I, I don't know for sure, but yeah, you're right. They do have like a, um, Gail becomes kind of human where she's like, kind of like being like oh i've been through this kind of thing. you can mm-hmm. go ahead yeah she talks to sam about how 
uh, you know, people have been through this before, um, you know, she's been through this before and you can lose people that you care about, but you know, you can also, in, in this particular case, they're talking about how Sam lost her mother in addition to, you know, having, um, Billy Loomis as her dad. Now her mom has cut her off for having told Tara about Billy being her father. And then, Tara cut, yeah. And then Tara cut off their mom for cutting off, uh, Sam. So now it's just the two of them. And, uh, you know, Sam obviously has uh, feelings about that. Like you should, but Gail is like, you know what? I don't want to, I, I don't mean to be mean, but fuck her. Uh, and also you can have a family with somebody, even if it's just one other person. And like Dewey is like the, you know, the clear reference. Um, and Sam is like, and if you lose that person, uh, and then it's just a really sweet moment. Like, you know, it's very emotional. Gail is like teared up and she's like, you know, maybe you find another loner out there and the two of you can, can be together, you know, and, and keep each other company. It's just kind of like this expression of, uh, loss and also hope where she's like trying to give the young kid, you know, a little bit more to, to look out for. Um, but it's also a nice acknowledgement of the Dewey Gale relationship. Yeah. And it does, it brings a, a humanized, um, like version to Gale that like, we kind of, that sh like, I feel like scream just kind of like whatever, for whatever reason, they just kind of erase at the beginning of each scream where they just start her out as like this monster for whatever reason. But it always, she always has to like kind of crawl her way back out with stuff like this. Um, but it always works. So I feel like they just know it works. So I do have this in my notes. So we only skipped a few things, but uh, basically they're, they're walking through the shrine and they just kind of like see all the evidence there. And they all kind of like, I feel like they're kind of all splitting off and having heart to hearts. So I think that's why it kind of mixes in with the rest of them. Um, gotcha. Because like, they're kind of like walking through and like doing all the evidence. I, I did make a note of this just because I, it makes me laugh every time, but like Dermont, like they're all just kind of like looking at all the evidence and like Mindy was like even made the note she was like oh that's Randy's jacket and Chad's like oh my god and then he just kind of like you guys have been through so much and then like there's just like a very long pause after that I'm like why is that so awkward <laughs> you guys yeah. have been through so much yeah it was a weird <laughs> reading of that yeah um, it's an interesting idea that they find this warehouse, right? Because Gail tracked it down with the the two dead film student kids' uh, names attached to it. And they find out that it's a shrine, like Kelly was saying, to like every single killer in the Scream series so far. So there's like these, uh, you know, standees or or busts with, you know, uh, the the killer's mask or the, the hood or the knife that they use. There's like the TV that Stu Mocker had pushed on his head is on display as well. And it's all just like one, you know, one, two, three, four, all the way up through Scream 5. Uh, have like these like displays and stuff. And it's like, it's insane to think of how this could even happen. I think they kind of hand wave it by being like, how could one person amass all of this like physical accoutrement? Like this is all evidence from, you know, murder scenes. And Gail's like, eh, cops are crooked. They'll sell shit. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <Fine>. Yeah. <laughs> we get it. Um, this is also the scene where Billy Loomis makes his uh, grand reveal again when Sam goes up to the Billy Loomis costume and he starts talking to her again through the glass. Um, I thought it was interesting because in this movie and before like the hallucinations seem to come up pretty often, but um, in this movie, they literally only happened when she was right next to his case. 
So it's kind of almost kind of like he was like locked away in that case. But we do get mm-hmm. Billy Loomis again a couple more times. Yeah, and the this is where the um Ghostface, all the Ghostface uh statues are I don't know what you call them, mannequins. They have the Ghostface robe and the the mask and there's the nine statues kind of in an arch formation and it's it's cool to see that's i like seeing that reveal of them having all of them and seeing the different masks i think are all the masks gone because that's they must all be gone at this the point. ones that are gone are the ones that they've already placed at, at the murder so like okay. the first four are gone and the rest are still there yeah yeah i like that uh, Oh. And like I said, every all the characters are kind of split up and having their bonding moment. So at this moment, too, Kirby and Mindy are together mm-hmm. kind of doing their, like, um, they're doing the back and forth of, like, being the the best horror movie, like, officiato. And so, like, um, one by one, they're, like, naming things and being, like, um, best of this movie. And they both answer. Uh, so that's kind of fun where there's kind of like bringing those two characters together. So I feel like this whole warehouse scene is just kind of like a weird bonding moment for everybody, which is, yeah. it's nice. Yeah. I like well, them. Yeah. They, they give you permission to relax a little bit because uh, they say explicitly like, well, if this was a stab movie, then this would be the killer's lair. Like this would be the final, uh, the final scene. And then Kirby's like, so this isn't the final scene. We're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, I really like the Mindy uh, Kirby stuff, the back and forth. They were the partially the the Randys of their films. And I kind of forgot about it as excited as I was to see Kirby back. I kind of a little bit spaced on what her exact role was. And it was just kind of cool to see her sparring with Mindy for uh, with their knowledge of, of horror movies. Yeah, it was fun. It was just kind of like, oh, well, we get like a moment, like you guys said, it's kind of like a break for like, oh, we get a moment to just kind of enjoy each other just for a little bit and learn what we have in common. So that was sweet. It's also a a nice moment where like they end up basically agreeing on everything, like which movie is the best of each franchise. You know, they they go down the list uh, and then, you know, Candyman, they talk about, you know, Candyman, uh, the original or the requel and simultaneously like both. Like, oh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's a fun moment. And like I think the only movie that they don't agree on, uh uh sorry, blank their name. Hayden Pantieri's character is just like, ah, I had a crush on Corey Feldman. She's like, all right, respect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, Corey Feldman's also a very funny person to have a crush on. So very funny. <laughs> I I wrote in uh, my I, notes, uh, stay frosty. I don't know what that means. So stay frosty. Can... Yeah, I don't Somebody know what you mean it, either. I guess <laughs> <laughs> I felt it was important enough to write down, so I don't know. <laughs> that is... I have no idea what you're talking. About. <laughs> that's that's a line from Aliens. They may have thrown it in, like as a reference or something. I don't know. Like you know, yeah. Aliens. I think a horror movie. Other people say otherwise, but um, there's there's actually a couple of lines in here that I thought could have been callbacks, but they also were so so organic that it felt um natural anyway like there's uh, god maybe it was the scene that kelly was talking about where said like somebody said like nobody fucks with my family and the other character replies i like that um and like which could be a callback to sid doing her like i like that story like it just seems like there's a couple of like not necessarily mm. direct quotes but like echoes of of previous mm. lines or whatever anyway yeah. 
Um, from here to uh, Tara and Sam get into another sibling fight or a sister fight. Because um, Tara is like, I just want to have a normal life. Like, I, I don't know when it's going to be okay. Like, I just, I'm sick of this to happening again I don't I don't want to be known for this and then I don't I don't know how you guys feel but like I feel like Sam just gets on my nerves with this because she's always like it's because of me and I'm like why do we always gonna make it about you like it's <laughs> like can't Tara have feelings for like two seconds without it being like it's because of Billy Loomis and my dad and I'm like shut <laughs> up for five seconds Sam um <laughs> But yeah, that that and that's what immediately leads to the Gale thing that you were talking about, Joe. So we've we've come full circle where Tara was like, um, "Is it ever going to get better?" And then she has that heart to heart with Gale about uh, loss and yeah, um, the mom really, cut it off. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and I think it may have been earlier in the movie, but there is a theme at throughout these um, fights between Tara and Sam where, T where Tara is like, you have to let me go. Uh, and I do appreciate Sam's position of being like, you don't seem like you are dealing with what happened to us in like any shape or form. Uh, right. and that is kind of concerning, but I, I, I totally agree with you, Kelly, where like she also centers herself so much in these conversations where it's like, all right, man, just like, stay on the thing about how Tara isn't like doing any work and is instead like having like, uh, you know, what, what's that called? Uh, well, interactions with people at parties that are like uh, high danger or whatever, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> risky behaviors. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard. Cause yeah, I feel like every, like they have this fight repeatedly and every time Sam's like, um, oh, I'm so sorry that like I did this to you and I'm like you're not letting anybody else like have any emotion to it so I think that was part of it with mm. Tara's like reaction to all this stuff is like every time she starts to have a reaction Sam's just kind of like Billy Loomis was my father and you're just kind of like we know <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know it's just like like everyone has friends like this that is like everything like one bad thing happens to them and then they're just kind of like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life and you're just kind of like all right well you dig out buddy like dig out <laughs> <laughs> you got this I don't want to hear it again <laughs> that's what I feel with Sam I'm just kind of like all right Billy Loomis is your dad we get it like that's a, a reoccurring thing that's part of your life everyone else can have feelings now <laughs> yeah it it is interesting because like, I, I will say that I do like the angle that these two last two movies, you know, this one and the last one have taken where Sam has like this darker aspect to her character. And there's like questions uh, of like whether or not she's going to end up like her parent kind of paralleling all of those questions about uh, Sid ending up, up like her mom, which never really made sense to me in that regard. But in this regard, like I think it does make sense and is like fun way to uh to separate themselves from the original trilogy but yeah like a side effect of that unfortunately is a lot of grappling with like billy Lo like give me more billy loomis talking to you and like me questioning your sanity and give yeah. me a, give me a lot less of you being like billy's my dad <laughs> and that's why i'm so fucked up don't you understand <laughs> god damn it <laughs> we get it <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm just kind of like, yeah, it would make more, way more sense if it was like a, a weird, like if she kept having the hallucinations, um, which she kind of does, but only, like I said, only when she's in contact with his like actual knife and mask. 
but um but yeah her just keep bringing it up it's kind of like all right well you just gotta move on i'm sorry at this point yeah. move on <laughs> <laughs> dad's a serial killer we've all been through it sorry <laughs> yeah tara uh <laughs> Just unbelievably, after what happened to her, somehow has a life to live. So let her do it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so from this scene, um, the uh Officer Bailey is like, I have an idea. And so his big idea is basically um Tara and Sam going into the in the middle of the day, walking around uh a giant outdoor quad. Um, uh, walking very suspiciously looking around in no way like hiding the fact that they're up to something um, that Ghostface is supposed to call one of them and then they're supposed to like track him down while the police are there so that's their big idea which I think is very funny because Tara and Sam are walking around like looking around like they're looking for somebody so it's never it's not very sneaky <laughs> Um, but that's the scene immediately after this. And this is this is the scene that's probably the most direct echo of Scream mm -hmm. 2, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even, yeah, Mindy says in the van, she was like, because Kirby says to her, she's like, we're doing it this way because nobody gets killed in the middle of the day. And she's like, Randy got killed in the middle of the day in a van. And then uh, Ethan is also eating Cheetos, which is called back to Kenny in the back of the van where he like offers oh, them and he's like good. yeah so they're like absolutely this happens all the time i i just yeah. feel like this was a very throwaway scene for me because i'm like um i feel like this the whole scene is just kind of um angling to the gale reveal but it's like this whole this whole scene made no sense because they he was just kind of like i have this like big plan and his big plan is not very well orchestrated i don't know how you guys feel yeah and it's tough really to to completely judge that just based on what we know at the end of the movie too so it's hard to know you know what he thought he was going to achieve with this too um yeah we have the this is yeah so we're in the park it's very very much feels like scream too so they're sitting in the van they're chatting. The two other characters are are walking around. Um, they are trying to get a phone call, and then immediately Kirby is going to track the phone call. Um, she says she can do it in 15 seconds. They can figure out exactly where the call's from and coming from and get the ghost face. I always think it's funny in movies where they're like, um, this is the FBI, sweetie, so we can do it faster. I'm like, why isn't that technology just for everybody then? Why would the FBI just be able to do it faster? <laughs> like, we're try we're all trying to like fight crime, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think this scene exists kind of like a scene that we're about to do uh, very shortly after this. Um, that is supposed to address some people's dunking on the earlier movies use of technology right because like in this mm -hmm. movie they're like oh great trying to track a phone again huh we know how well that worked out last time and then kirby's <laughs> like it's fucking 2023 i can do it in 15 seconds I'm like oh, <laughs> all right that's a fair point good point uh but yeah it is it it's funny and it's also it's kind of a goofy thing like we were saying um for for ghostface's big plan to be this the only thing I can think of, if I'm trying to do some work for the movie, is just 
him trying to draw away all of them from his intended target and making it impossible for them to like get to his intended target in time to help her. Like that's the only thing. Yeah. Um, So speaking of which um, the next scene is in Gail's apartment, which is a a beautiful New York city apartment. I'm Mm -hmm. jealous every time I see that like view as soon as they like go into her apartment, like, God damn, that's awesome. I should start writing books about people's deaths. Um, so we go, yeah, we're in Gail's house, which is where they find out that Ghostface is. So they, they track his location. Um, Tara's like on, I forget the actual street name, but she's like on 96th street. And they're like, why'd you know that? And they're like, Gail. Um, so we go to Gail and Ghostface is now in Gail's apartment. Yeah, and it's weird that, so they they track it, they say it's, oh, they're on 96th Street, who do we know up there? And it's not like, at, at least, I don't, like, neither of them were like, oh my god, Gail's ghost face, you know, like. Oh, uh, yeah, you're they're right. They're like, oh shit, Gail's they, in they, trouble. he's in Gail's apartment. So I thought that was kind of like. They I didn't even think of that. That's funny. I Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, because yeah, I, I immediately I was like, Gail's in trouble. I would never have thought Gail yeah. was Ghostface. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. They they also play with the timeline a little bit or in terms of like the practical logistics of it by Sam and uh, Tara stealing um, Officer Bailey's car and <laughs> throwing off oh, the lights yeah. and siren. And uh, it's kind of a fun moment where Bailey gets to be like, you can't steal a cop car. You even have a <laughs> yeah. license? Because like... <laughs> Jenna Ortega is like like three feet tall and looks like she's 12. Uh, right. But yeah, it's, it's very funny. But yeah, so Tara is the one driving. She tells Sam to get in. They throw on the lights and they're going to, to try to help Gail if they can. In the meantime, Gail gets the phone from her. Uh, we get introduced to her live-in boyfriend. Um, this poor man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rough stuff. He, uh, it, he gets the phone, he answers it, and uh, he tells Gail, he's like, he says he's the killer. And Gail's just like, all right, give me that phone. <laughs> and then he just goes away like that's normal. Uh, yeah. yeah. I even wrote in my notes, I'm like, Gail's got a himbo huh? Like, <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's the killer. And then he just goes, I have other stuff to do. <laughs> well, to be fair, too, Gail didn't seem very concerned. Almost as if she's like, well, yeah, this is pretty routine. <laughs> like, and as, as Ghostface, so it is Ghostface on the phone points out and i don't i mean it must be true i guess they've actually gail has never talked to ghostface on i wrote phone, that in my notes i was like i've not, never noticed that before but that's Have not they true not? because oh. she does in four because she's trying to figure out where he is he's got the like try, running around that with the cameras in the lofts right isn't she on the phone with him or am i misremembering no. that She's not on the phone with him. Um, Dewey's on the phone with him. Okay, so yeah, if if then that's the case, that's that's kind of because I even I I made that note in my notes as well because I was like, is that true? And then I was like thinking back, I was like, I can't think of a time that she was on the phone with him. I was trying to, I was even trying to think of Scream Two because I could have sworn she was on the phone with him when they were like in the studio. Like in the like the movie rooms, and I was like, no, I guess she wasn't. My friends, so I, I have to point out that this is an insanely weird formulation and framing of this conversation because every single guy who's been ghostface has been killed. 
So for, for this guy to be like, we've never been on the phone before. Like, how do you know? Motherfucker? That's true as well. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that. Was, <laughs> he's done his research somehow. Um, <laughs> I guess Joe, they've list. seen all the Stab movies. Okay, <laughs> so they know. Only some of which are actually about the, the killings around uh, Sydney's life. But yes, uh, I suppose that Gail probably put in her book like, and I've never talked to the guy. And I guess I'm pretty salty about it. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> that is a like, very what, like... <laughs> what is it about me that he doesn't want to call me? <laughs> it's I, But it's funny because it's like, I could see them be like, hey, you know what? They've never actually spoken. We should, it'd be fun to call that out. And it's like, why wouldn't then just, why wouldn't you just have Gail say that? Because Gail would know. <laughs> I know. Gail's yeah, that would have made way more sense. Yeah, if she said we've never spoken on the phone. Yeah. I think that would have been more impactful too. I wonder why it, they didn't do that. It does give well, actually, at a point I probably want to I want to bring up after we talk about the rest of the scene, but there's I just there's something about the newer ones and especially this one that, that feel a little bit different about Ghostface, but um we want to move ahead um i do love uh, she like runs out into the patio and she does the classic like throwing all the items in like the path that she's running because like there's no reason for her to run out there and also i feel like at that point i would have tried to throw ghost face ghost face off of the balcony so like she runs out onto the balcony which i think is her next move is to like get him off the balcony but she's just kind of like throws items in his way and then runs back into the house which her next plan seems to be trying to lock him back out which is also kind of smart um but then she i do like this fight i think it's a good yeah. like i i feel like as far as like um characters getting randomly like victimized by ghostface this is like an intense fight like she's putting up her life for this but like she's like going at it and i love that she like runs into the room and grabs her gun like i'm just kind of like yeah like now yeah. we're talking so she's, that's fun besides the fact that yeah she she pulls a gun immediately shoots the door and then i believe gets another call so then she's kind of like like they're kind of you know ghostface is trying to throw her off like you did you hit me or am i out here and like you know Gail's deciding whether or not to open the door. It's like, that's the one thing where I'm like, I'm not really, obviously, we know why she did it because you, you can't just stop right there. But like, it's like kind of weird that she didn't just stay there with the gun. And, you know, she yeah. comes out and <laughs> we get, well, I'm trying to, I, yeah, well, go ahead with it because I, I, I don't want to skip anything. I mean, uh, uh, from here, literally, like, I think you're on the right track. Like, she shoots through the door, and mm -hmm. then she, like, uh, you hear something, like, you hear them reacting to the shot. So I don't know if yeah. they got hit or what, but, like, you hear something, you hear a reaction. So, like, she, like, is still trying to play it smart. She's just kind of, like, he's, like, you don't know if I'm wearing a bulletproof vest. And she's kind of, mm. like, I don't even care. Like, I'm going to come out and shoot you in the head. And she opens the door. There's nobody there. And she's like still walking through the the actual room. Um, she sees the dead body of her boyfriend, which she does not seem to give one shit about. So I don't That's... know how close she was to this man. But she's yeah. kind of like, because like he even says to her on the phone, he's like, um, uh, your boyfriend didn't really do much to protect you. And she's like, absolutely not. And she's yeah, kinda like, that... okay, so he was just there for the muscle. Like you're, <laughs> poor Gail. 
Uh, this is such a funny thing to consider who this killer is specifically. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But I do love this. I think that's what you're alluding to. I do love this next scene where she's like, she does the play where she's like, can you hold on for a second? And it's very funny. Like how there's kind of like, what? <laughs> the ghost face yeah. is very caught off guard by her just being like, I'm just gonna uh, pause you for a second and I'm gonna call you back. And he's like, excuse me, what the fuck? Oh, I, I yeah. feel like that was a very bold move. She plays that so smart. And like, there, she plays this whole thing pretty smart because she, yeah, so she sees the, the I think the the, the, boy, the body of her boyfriend comes crashing kind of through a wall, like through a bookcase. And yeah. um, it's revealed that he's dead gail's pretty to be fair she's sort of obviously got something else she needs to worry about so she doesn't have a lot of time she's she's i'm sorry paul there's no emotion there (laughs) i know i know i just it's just like how she like read that line and everything i just kind of got the sense she's like i just can't like i cannot (laughs) react to anything right now i need to stay on my toes and yes this is i really like that moment where they're talking on the phone again. Gail's like, uh, I'm going to have to call you back. And then, like, you hear, like, a huh? And then, like, she hangs up. It's like, nobody's ever done this. She immediately <laughs> calls the phone. That was and it's good. like, that's a fucking genius idea. It's like, and even if Ghostface, like, she does it so quickly. Like, even if Ghostface is like, oh, shit. Like, they're not going to have time to turn the phone off. So, like, that um, Gail calls the phone's the closet a phone in the closet starts ringing she shoots uh like three times into the door of the closet um and this is one of those well it it, it does feel a little bit like you're getting sort of a like mike myers-esque feeling from like ghostface is separate from these humans because and i feel this a lot in this movie that it's like he's like it, it, he's so much his own thing they the characters treat him as though he's his own thing like don't really question the you know the phone thing and it's like super super strength in a lot of situations and it's like that was the perfect like gail had the perfect plan to call that phone and then just start like and it's like they there's maybe they were just pushed up against just perfectly that it didn't hit him but the fact that like she shot into that door three times at three different places and did not hit Ghostface in there. It's just like you're it, you start to get like a supernatural kind of feeling about Ghostface, or Absolutely. I did, I should say. Yeah, I was looking at. I was worried. <laughs> yeah, very worried about this scene. I didn't watch this movie because of what they did to Dewey. <laughs> And when I saw that Gail was on the block, I was like, I was like yelling at the screen. I don't, I literally don't do that anymore, but <laughs> Gail, I care about enough that I was like, Gail, get it, go. Okay. Yeah. I didn't explicitly tell you, but I did tell you that you did not have to be as worried about this one. Yes. Which definitely helped. I'm a giant baby. <laughs> be coaxed. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah. So in, I think in contrast to uh dewey's scene where yeah he got a a chance at some heroism but ultimately kind of is brought down by being a bit of a dummy in a way that doesn't make sense for him i think as an experienced uh cast member or you know or legacy character um 
Gail, Gail kind of whips ass. Like she gets to chance. Yeah. She gets the chance to run around the apartment, mm -hmm. uh, frustrate uh, Ghostface's uh, advances, even after she gets, you know, stabbed in the shoulder or what have you. Like she mm -hmm. manages to throw him off. And, and um, she is, she's a fighter uh, throughout this entire scene. And it's nice to see. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I wrote, I wrote fun fight. And then after, immediately after I wrote, you never suspect Johnny two knives. Where did he get that second knife? It's like, it was glass. Uh, it That's, was glass. Yeah, oh, I think I realized okay. that in the second one is why I said that because it's yeah. That I, I was this like, is why the thing. fuck does he have two knives? That makes way more sense. Okay. Uh, Gail, like after she has knocked him around a little bit, he's kind of out cold, and she sees the knife in his hand, and she goes to grab it, and she does like the big, you know, pull her hands above her head to get ready to bring the knife down. Uh, and that's when he stabs her in the side with the piece of glass. And then he like, you know, rolls her over, mounts like her from the front and is going to yeah. like do his coup de grace. And I thought this part was cool where like he brings the knife down like toward her face and she fucking stops it <laughs> with her, yeah. her two hands. Which is like, uh, to me, I've only seen something similar in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. Like Angel is kind of like, you know, all your friends are gone. Uh, there's no hope left. Like what's what's left? And he like stabs toward her face, and Buffy like grabs the blade between her two hands, mm. clapped together. She's like me. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt Love very it. much like that with Gail. I did like to because I don't even think it was a slow when she sees Ghostface knife and sees his, she's knocked out. She means business. Like they, I I like the fact that because she played the whole thing so well and then she like she sees that knife grabs it and then immediately starts to go for him and he just just that much quicker like gets the glass into the side but it's like she was not fucking around with that like she was going to get the knife and just plunge it directly into him not even like consider it's like i'll take the mask up you know and like yeah i think like she's also trying to grab the mask while she's like is this is that correct it's like she when he's got the knife and it's like coming down on her neck and he, like she's also like I'm gonna fucking figure out who you are because I'm gonna make it through I this didn't notice much. that but that does feel very Gail I, I feel like Gail would want to know who it was yeah. more than anything and so yeah that's interesting yeah um um so from here Sam and Tara finally get there so this is the altercation so he had just stabbed her in the side and he probably would have killed, like, actually finished her off if if Tara and Sam hadn't run in at that time. They run this person off. And uh, the EMT is also come in here. Mm -hmm. I, it's very funny to me. The EMT has come in, um, and then they say, call an ambulance. Which, aren't they the ambulance? Like, who called, like, are they just the, the residential EMTs? Is that how fancy New York is, where they're like... We have our own EMTs and we got to call an ambulance. We have EMTs for... that don't know how to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't notice this at all. But yeah, they come in and they like start to treat her. And then the girl goes, call an ambulance. I'm like, who the fuck are you guys then? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. But that was very funny. Um, from here, we get to the hospital and it's another core four moment. So the core four, like, core four, like, we're at the hospital now. Like, Gail's here being treated. 
And then Danny's like, I'm also here. And then this is another version of them being like, uh, the love interest cannot be trusted. And Danny's like, fine. Okay. Yeah, he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally understand. Um, Sam also at this point, I don't I, I don't know. I get annoyed by Sam very frequently. I don't know if you guys did as well, but this is another scene where she's like, making her like big sacrificing speech where she's oh, like um ghostface can win this time and everybody's like what and she was like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go in there and i'm just gonna let him kill me and like everybody else gonna be fine they're like what sam no and i'm like sam like we all know no one's gonna let you do that shit like why are you just like coming in here and like making this declaration <laughs> Yeah, because we all know what's going to happen is after she offers herself up selflessly to be murdered by Ghostface, Ghostface <laughs> will go away forever. Exactly. <laughs> anyone else. He's just going to go live his life quietly. Like, I did it. <laughs> Finished our movie. <laughs> Why has no one thought of this? <laughs> just a guy like working like long rows of corn with like a Ghostface mask on being like, well, I've retired to farming. It's honest. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're telling me Sydney and Sam are both dead and I have shit to do? Excuse me? Oh, I'm just gonna, st I'm gonna start living. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna go to a different amusement park every day. That's what I'm gonna do. It's that, that meme of the cat in a business suit being like, I should buy a boat, but it's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from here, um, this is when they make the big plan that they're like, you know what? We know what to fucking do. We're going to go to the warehouse. And we're going to lure Ghostface there. So like they make this big plan. They call Officer Bailey. They call Kirby. So they've got everybody on board. And they're like, we're all going to the warehouse. We're, away we're ahead of it now. We know that they're not expecting this. So we're just like, we're going to the warehouse. And then Kirby's like, fuck yeah. And she made this whole big elaborate thing where she's like, all right, we're all locked in here. And basically it's a um, kill door. So they made a door where if the killer comes into the front, he's locked in. So the, at this point we're like, all right, this is a, a foolproof plan. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are right now. So they're at the warehouse. At the well, warehouse. no, they're not. They're not at the warehouse. They're on their way to the warehouse. I skipped a whole scene. I'm, I apologize. So they made this plan, and then they decide to take the subway to the warehouse. Oh my gosh, the subway scene! <laughs> I, I was I just like, yeah, that's the right. We're at the subway. end. It's like, no, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> All right, subway. Discuss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Again. Yeah, said it earlier, but like you, you can't have this many people wearing a ghost face costume uh, with all the shit going on. With all the shit, absolutely. That yeah, yeah. No, it would be like a stand your ground law situation where like you could simply go up to them, like gut them yourself, and if it turns out <laughs> just wearing a Halloween costume, like every court in the land would be like, yeah, we get it. Shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, probably shouldn't yeah. have done that. That guy because it's said repeatedly through all these that it's just a generic like like costume but like at this point no it's not it's like yeah. it was a generic costume now it's the fucking ghost face costume now it's what they wear to butcher people like it's not fun anymore yeah stop wearing it but yes we have a, a packed uh subway such that like uh the core four are getting on to you know to go to the spot but 
Mindy gets separated from the, oh uh, the other group. She's in a car further back and she's stuck with Ethan, who she is watching like a hawk and like texting the other, you know, core four members like, yeah, this guilty motherfucker. I'm like, I'm looking at him right now. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And this, I, I don't, I'm just going to interrupt you real quick, just because I want to throw this in before we get too far into it. But it's like, this is a genuine fear of mine, even when I'm not being stalked by a killer, just being separated from my friends on the train at all. So the added, um, like, murder after you, like, on this, I'm just like, that's just too much. Because, like, just me trying to, like, understand trains and be on the right one, being separated from my friends is too much. I'm just like, this is a very intense scene. Go ahead, Joe. No, totally. Agreed. Uh, and <laughs> in this scene, you know, they are, uh, I guess tonight is Halloween because there's a ton of people in costumes. They're all, like, uh, you know callbacks to other movies other horror movies and stuff which is kind of fun um but it's a car full of people who look like crazy serial killers and uh mindy just trying to like clock everybody all at once and uh you know it's this is another scene where i thought maybe it went on a little bit longer than it needed to but um yeah. she's a major character so it it works like a, it, it's a pretty good um luxuriation in the in the moment of kind of how creepy it was again and also for the reasons that kelly was saying like be separated from your friends yeah it's intense and like i feel like um like she mistrusted ethan from the get-go so she already felt like she was like had to be like on high alert so like and then on top of that like that weird stare down that ethan was doing this entire time was creepy as fuck like that just like weird yeah. look he was giving her. I'm just kind of like, if you were trying to act innocent, buddy, you're doing it all wrong. And then like, I feel like Mindy, like I love her to death. I was like, she's making all the wrong moves. I'm like, and she would like get near somebody and then she'd realize that they were okay. And then she'd back away. And I'm like, stay next to the people right. that you realize were okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're okay. So I, yeah, I, I enjoyed the scene. I do think that it was, it probably wasn't necessary to linger on it as much as they did. And like, it was cool to see, like, I do wish they had some, like, I believe that a bunch of drunk guys aren't going to care about some ordinance that's just like, don't fucking wear this mask. Like, but I would like to see something like at least somebody trying that because it is, it's just like a train car full of ghost face nobody yeah, really so seems many. to be that concerned like everybody's aware this is like it has to be a pretty big story that they're aware of it happening right now and just for yeah. everyone to be like no one's really uncomfortable with ghosts it's just like well we're not part of like some very specific group of people so they're not coming after us so that's how scream works or yeah i literally wrote in my wrote in my notes i was like there can't be this many people who think it's a good idea at this point in time to dress like this yeah like you literally had no other ideas for halloween you're like you know what ghostface sounds great i know it's in the news right now and i know it's a big deal but ghostface it's yeah, a good it's a good costume yeah. idea yeah. i did like i really like that little moment of in the other car when um when Danny and the group, they see that ghost face coming and he's kind of menacingly walking towards him and then Danny kind of pushes forward and he, he's like staring him down and like ready to fight him and he just turns and walks out. Like, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a nice moment. Another great Danny boyfriend moment. Where I know. Like, 
<laughs> He's ready to protect Sam at any cost. Again, it's just one of those things. It's like, how is he? How has he never come off as a douchebag? I'm always just like, <laughs> he's such a, he's such a charming man. He even has like the douchebag head angle of like walking up on the guy, like the, like the head back being like, "We got a problem here, man." But <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's just like he also seems like he's kind of like got some genuine fear, but he's like stepping. Like he conveys a lot with his body language. Uh, where you come, me anyway, I come off liking him. Like, yeah, he was trying to protect Tara and Sam. That rocks. All right, so we're we're on the subway. We didn't get to Mindy yet, but like, so basically, Mindy is she's very suspicious of uh, Ethan during all this. So she's like staring him down. She hates his guts. I, it's very funny to me the way she just keeps glaring at him and he's just like staring back and like she's very distanced from him and so pissed that she's like on the train with just him. Yeah. Um, it's very funny. But like, yeah, she's like distancing herself from people. Um, I did get pissed off on her behalf when those people got on the train, kind of like shoved her to the side. And she was like, fuck you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah fuck you. <laughs> um, but yeah, she makes some very questionable decisions during this. She pushes herself essentially back to the back of the train, which I guess in her brain made sense because she's suspecting Ethan. And she, in her brain, she's like, if I can see Ethan, then I'm safe. Like he's over there. And then I I feel like this was very well done in the movie. They kept doing the the blackout and the train. So like the lights yeah. kept going off and coming back on. We're seeing ghost faces like uh, coming closer and closer to her while it's happening. She's like, I think she's like trying to like um, shake it out. She's like, this is all in my brain or something. And like ghost face gets closer and closer to her. It's a very intense scene. And then finally ghost face stabs her in the gut. And it's just kind of like, Mindy, why are you back in the back of the train with nobody else while this is fucking happening? Very intense. Yeah. I, I did like the scene. I did like the using the lighting and the train. And a lot of it felt like it's like Halloween on a train with a bunch of, you know, drunk people and like in some of those situations too it's just like there's so many people cramming onto those trains it's like you don't have any choice but to just get pushed back which is what she was doing it's just like like that dude that kind of pushed her into the back it was just like they was coming in and grabbing right in front of where she is forcing her to get farther and farther into the back of the train and I felt it because like literally we because um I was in Chicago with you guys on on Halloween this year uh, this last year and that's how it kind of felt like people kept getting on the train all dressed up and it was kind of creepy like it's weird yeah. so like I, I, when when this, if this was actually happening like in, a, in another big city like this like when there's actually a killer after you I can't even imagine because like I was even feeling that I think we were just coming back I think is that when we saw Roy Scovel or something but like we were coming back from like the comedy show and we were on the train and I was just kind of like, this is kind of creeping me out. Just people being on the train in costume. I don't like it. So I feel mm-hmm. like in this scene, like it was very intense just having people just be in costume, but they're just like going to parties, going on, like doing things. But it's like, it's creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. The, uh, when she when Mindy gets stabbed, it's pretty gruesome. She gets it a couple of times. I think one of them, like she gets lifted up on the knife a little mm. bit. Um, yeah, that's pretty gross. But at the same time, like as it's happening again, you're like, okay, core four member. Um, you know, she fine. 
<laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> that is the thing. Like this movie makes some real interesting choices. Yeah. Uh, I think even in the last movie, this would have been a pretty like clear send off, but um, things just get uh, more and more incredulous. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So it's just, it was, it was kind of rough to see. I did like to see her character, you know, characterization grow throughout this movie. So her getting got, or so it seems at least for the time being was, uh, was shocking. And, and also at the same time, you're like, okay, well, there has to be some stakes, right? Like somebody has to, has to die from, um, the other characters. But, um, you know, I thought she acquitted herself pretty well in terms of like an acting performance in this movie. Yeah, and I like, she, you know, after she gets stabbed and she's like, I was fucking wrong again. Like, that's what, yeah. like, the thing that made her the most mad. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? It's not Ethan. Like, I was so sure. And, like, she plays this scene really well. I do think the thing I don't like about it is just what you said, Joe. It's just in what happened with Gail not that long before where it's like, you're like, it's an intense scene and it's it's like you're upset but it's like well at least they kind of went out with something but oh no there's just that sliver and they both get a scene almost directly afterwards like you know emt gets there and they're like oh you know they're still you know they're still breathing or something like you know let's get them and so it's like they neither of them die neither of them were told that we both of them were we are told like you no know, they got the medical attention pretty quickly so like you're left to think like okay they're both gonna be fine like i didn't think mindy was dead um simply because they that small thing at the end even though she like that whole thing like and if you were in any other screen outside of screen five that would have been it for you 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 don't survive that yeah um, right. what she went through but it's still yeah, like before if you got stabbed you're dead so yeah right. this is like a new this is the new generation. Yeah, both her and Gail get character moments that I enjoy. One of which was uh, Gail when she kind of caught the the momentum of the knife coming down on her. Uh, she says "fuck you," uh, which is like a nice little piece of you know final um, defiance. And then after Sam and Tara intervene, um, I, I think Gail says something like "he didn't get me" or, or something mm -hmm. along those lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, and the only thing that had me on Gail was like, she actually does like lose consciousness and Tara and Sam were, um, you know, um, you know, Gail, Gail, stay with us, blah, 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 as the EMTs were coming mm -hmm. in. I agree that with, um, in this case with Mindy, uh, you know, her funny thing that she gets to say is like, man, fuck this franchise. Uh, <laughs> and it, it leaves on a high enough or you know, comedic enough note where you're like, I think she's probably okay uh, against mm -hmm. all odds. Yeah, I didn't feel very final. Well, I did, yeah, I did. I did feel very awkward with with Gail. If he didn't get me, I'm like, yeah, but didn't he though? So it's kind of like it was. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was my thought because I thought that was. I thought they killed her, so I was like, they're like, tell uh, tell Sydney he didn't get me. It's like, okay, are we supposed to lie to Sydney? Are like, we supposed to call asking? Sydney and start telling her lies? Is that what no, you want, she, Gail? She slipped and hit her head. It wasn't ghost face. No. It wasn't ghost face. That's for goddamn sure. Sid, do not come back here. Mark and the kids, I wish them well. I can see it from like a standpoint of like uh like the Lenny meme from The Simpsons where he's like, Don't tell people how I live. He's like, Don't tell Sydney this happened. Yeah. Or just like you could read it, I guess, as like she's like 
if you tell Sydney this, she's gonna come back. Like, no, mm. but like either way, it was just funny that it's just like, yeah, I mean, I guess she was actually saying she's gonna survive, but it just felt like in the moment it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think we have to, to tell, tell legally we have to tell Sid that he got you. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been very funny if uh, if Gail said, "Don't tell Sydney he got me," and if uh, Jenna Ortega was like, "Big if true." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so from here, um, that we get back to the the um, core four that made it onto the subway at the time. They have arrived at the um, uh, warehouse where they have the ghost face shrines. So. Um, they get there, they get all the way there, and then Sam tells Danny that he is not allowed to come in because she doesn't know him well enough and everyone's a suspect, which he seems to understand very quickly, and then he waits outside. But I do think it's funny that he went all the way there with them, and then she's like, you know what, never mind, you, gone. Um, yeah, so, like, there's... he's there, and I think that does make sense plot-wise, because, like, he's going to be outside during this whole time, but... He is very understanding that he's not allowed to come in. He does. He does his. He takes two seconds, breathes, and goes, <laughs> "Yeah, okay," and then he <laughs> walks out. But it is kind of, it's kind of cool because in earlier in the movie, I guess like they, he has a conversation with Sam where he's like, "Don't trust anyone, not even me." So like, mm-hmm. in this moment, it's like, okay, she's being smart, and like, even though it's kind of hard to. A hard pill to swallow and she feel it feels like in the moment she's like stay safe like she seems like she's pretty sure but it's like i can't be wrong about that you know so. exactly yeah um yeah it didn't feel like his it didn't even really feel like his ego was really that beaten down by it. he's just kind of like yeah like he said he just took a beat he was like i did fucking say that like <laughs> he's ago. like shit i shouldn't have said I that said i knew her. i shouldn't have said that I thought it was a cool I, line. <laughs> I was trying to be a big man on campus. I said, don't trust anybody in it, especially me. And she was like, I'm going to take that to heart. And he was like, God damn it. Um, but another another Danny perfect moment. He's all mm. like, I will stay outside and I will wait, Sam. And he does. Hey, Sam, um, you need me. I'll be out here respecting you. Right. <laughs> beautiful beautiful man um <laughs> uh, so kirby sets up a like uh a kill safe i think i already say this but like um so they all get inside and she explains to them what happened she's like oh i set up this whole thing where like if he walks in these gates are gonna come down it's gonna be like phoebe and friends when she tries to steal the tiara and she walks out into jewelry jail so mm-hmm. like they're gonna get locked into this one specific area and they're like oh yeah fuck yeah um there's a scene in between this that i forgot so i lost my momentum uh but i guess in between these two scenes sam has another um interaction with her hallucination with billy loomis where she like walks in i think he like tells her that she's still has the killer inside of her or something i forget what he says if you guys remember yeah he's like uh hey come on you know you want to get a knife and start clearing this place out and i was like <laughs> he's like you know i'm right and i was like uh, i kind of get that like i do i do like this i said earlier i like this uh story beat or this idea 
to differentiate these movies from the older ones. And like Billy being a fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi telling Sam to like stab bad guys <laughs> is pretty fun. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it really does give you doubt. I, I remember watch I when I watched it in the theater for the first time, I did have doubt if Sam was actually like on the up and up. Like I felt like they could have taken her character in that direction where they're just kind of like, you know what, we're just gonna go f- like full Loomis and we're just gonna be like, you know what? This girl loves stabbing and she's gonna fucking stab. Yeah. And so it's their their usage of that momentum to do it kind of like an almost like this Dexter vibe where like, you know, she's turning it on the bad guys and like, yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoy the Billy Loomis character. So seeing um, Skeet coming back and basically becoming like this positive force in her life in a really weird way. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's fun to me. It is. Yeah. And I liked how it was very sparingly used in this one. Like, I feel like, it wasn't even used like in a, a a crazy amount in the first one, but like especially this one, it literally only happened when she was up against the box. So it almost felt like his his like essence was kept in that box, where it's kind of like, all right, well, well, when I'm like by his knife and mask, like this is when mm-hmm. I can talk to my dad. But like when I'm over here, like that's my personal business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She seems more stable in this movie. It seems like only when she is being confronted with like the paraphernalia of her father's legacy that she is tripping a bit. Whereas in the previous movie, she was hallucinating like just driving the car and approaching a stop sign. (laughs) Right. So from here, they think they're all safe. They think they've uh, created a space where they can uh, actively lure Ghostface in and win immediately. So everyone's kind of let their guard down. They're kind of like, um, we kind of get some scenes where all the characters are kind of like, oh, well, um, Tara and Chad are kind of like picking up their romance again. But then we get the cop dad calling and being like, Kirby has never been in the, or is not as thrown out of the FBI for being mentally unstable because once the murder started happening again, she went in a downward spiral. So we're calling a random woman mentally unstable and everyone is immediately scared and immediately believes <laughs> the cop. And that is where we are right now. Where we're like, oh, we can't trust Kirby. Shit. Which I, I when I was in the theater, I did immediately. It was like, <gasps> Kirby, no. Why would you do this to us? <laughs> I have things I'd like to say about this scene, but I kind of need to wait. So I think I'll do it in my wrap up. Okay. Yeah, let's keep it moving. Okay, so from here, the stat. Um, so now we are actively suspecting Kirby. So everyone, everyone in the movie is actively suspecting Kirby because they're like, oh shit, we just got locked in. Kirby knows is the only one with the key. She is the murderer. That is what everyone thinks. So from here, the stab movies start playing on the screen behind all of the um, stab masks. So like all these masks are displayed here and the screen movies are playing. So it's like a whole new environment. So everyone is suspecting Kirby and they're like, oh shit, she's on the, like, she's on the prowl. She's coming to get us. Um, Chad and Tara are um 
this is okay so this is when the shit like starts going on sorry i'm just reading my notes so chad and tara are kind of like continuing their romance they um both find old candy in the theater and they're like oh i love this like and then they like start to talk to each other because they think they're safe at this point because only sam knows that kirby is now the murderer and so they they're like talking about that and then the ghost face comes in and stabs tara during that and now we're like oh shit now ghost face is back so discuss yeah um fun scene uh they they chad and tara kiss uh and i think it's this where i finally was kind of won over by the romance that as we were talking about earlier like kind of felt agreed yeah um it's just like fun like little chatter between the actors i'm sure it's scripted or whatever but them being like you know him being like i should have done that sooner she's like yeah you really should have uh but you you should do it a lot more too like it was just like a fun little moment between two of them then she gets stabbed um and it goes from there like and here's here is why i mentioned earlier that they didn't really gang up on ghostface uh in the apartment when they could have when it was like four of them against him here from this section kind of onward they start ganging up to good effect and i like that uh (laughs) chad starts whipping ass like he's fucking like swinging he's knocking him out not trying to like overstay his welcome and like you know do a final like final showdown mano a mano or whatever but like right now he's like throwing haymakers uh fucking up Ghostface's day and also making sure that he gets tara out of there yeah it's intense and i do i i wrote this down in my notes i was like i do love the fighting with the old props so i know that chad has the old camera that he picks up that that kenny used yes. and he starts like smacking them around with that oh, and then a, a lot of the old props come up into this, but it's just so fun to see all the old props come up. But yeah, they're they're all whipping ass during this. Ghostface takes the camera directly to the head, I think. Like, <laughs> Chad chucks it at him and it comes out of full force and knocks him down, but it's like it just gets yeah. back up again. <laughs> what, is, what does Chad say? It's something like uh, face the camera or like look in the camera, bitch. And like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's kind of fun and then like later on as they're being chased down a narrow you know hallway uh yeah chad like throws the camera at him like the, the props are being used to good effect um it's i love fun. that little yeah. tiny just a, a little moment but they were when they were running down that narrow hallway they like like i think it's yeah chad and tara like slide they slam into the wall and then start running and then ghostface comes in slides slams into the wall and starts running <laughs> like i just thought that was a really fun oh, it's little like, thing yeah it was like three stooges style it was very fun yeah <laughs> Um, so this is the big reveal too, because like, um, so from here, Chad does all this heroic stuff, but then he starts being stabbed by a ghost face. And then immediately after revealing he's being stabbed by a ghost face, he's stabbed by a second ghost face. <laughs> so then we are led to scream at the screen. Oh my God, there's two ghost faces. Oh my God. That's so surprising. We've never seen that before. So we've seen two ghost faces that are stabbing Chad repeatedly back and forth, taking turns. Good Lord, in every possible spot, he was stabbed. I wrote in my notes after, this is my second time watching it, Chad stabbed to death, like stabbed every possible location on his Absolutely, body. yeah, back and forth, just kind of like stab, 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 Chad is being stabbed, and then like yeah. Tara and Sam are just watching like, oh shit, Chad's being stabbed. 
Yeah, though, as the audience, we get to watch for a full what feels like 45 minutes. Ghost, the ghost faces take some time to like wipe their brow and be like, all right, back to it. Like, <laughs> more stabbing. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Tara is, you know, yelling for Chad and she's very distraught. And Chad, very heroically, as he's just getting just filleted, like, run. Uh, <laughs> so eventually, after 45 minutes of stabbing, they do. And then from there, I, I, this cracks me up so much because, like, they, we have the two ghost faces and they're doing all their stabbing. And then we get the reveal. Kirby runs out and starts shooting. And then, like, immediately Sam's like, we know that it's you. But it's like, <laughs> um, bitch. <laughs> There's I two think... ghost faces over here. They doing all the stabbing. And you're just like, we know it's you. I, I'd have to go back and watch. I've only seen it this one time. But I swear that Hayden Panettieri, when, when Sam says to, to Kirby, like, we know it's you. I swear she, like, gestures at the two ghost faces who just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It fucking rule. If that Are happened, like, and I, that's how I that's how I remember it. Oh. That's how I felt. I was just kind of like, Are you serious? One person told you it might be Kirby, and you're just kind of like, We know it's you. And there's like two ghost faces just like stabbing everybody. It was very funny. I was yeah. just kind of like, Oh shit. I, I don't know. But the reveals happened very quickly during this. Like, it's just kind of like, um, yeah, I, I I think right after this is when they start ripping off their masks. So like you do know who they are, um, but the the right after this, like they're they I think they shoot Kirby. The actual Ghostbusters shoot Kirby, so they think yeah. that she's gone, and so like they rip off their mask, and so we learn first that um, Ethan and Quint or Ethan mm. is the ghost face is what we learned first. And we're like, oh, fuck, it's Ethan. Because we're like, Mindy is right. Which is a very nice reveal. Yeah. Right, yeah. So right after Kirby shows up to, like, fire at the ghost, the two ghost faces, they run off screen. And then in comes uh, Officer uh, fucking Traveling Wilburys, whatever his name is. Uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, uh, like I said, Kirby is the killer. And Kirby's like, you can't, can, you can't listen to him. Like, he's, he's lying to you. And then you see a ghost face run out from behind the officer uh, like he's going to stab him. And Kirby's like, look out. And as she's about to shoot the ghost face, she gets shot by the cop. Um, and that's when we find out that the cop is in cahoots with the ghost bitch. faces. Right. Yeah. Uh, and like Kelly was saying, um, you know, they're they're doing like the reveal. And the first, the first ghost face to take the mask off standing next to the cop is Ethan, uh, which... Look, man, I'm gonna say it right now. Like uh, th this, this movie does not stick the landing for me. <laughs> and, uh, these reveals were kind of fucking uh, boring and lame to me. Um, just one man's opinion. I do like so much of the movie, other than the final bit of it, that it's still, like I said, it still ranks higher than the last one for me. But as soon as like the the ghost faces are revealed and uh, and pop is revealed, I was just like, all right, fine. The reveals were funny. I do, I do get mad. That okay, so they get the first two reveals basically where they're it's Ethan and the cop, and then there's a third person, and then immediately Sam is like Mindy, and I'm that like, was... why the fuck would it be Mindy? Okay, <laughs> I, do, I, I do. I have something for that. Just <laughs> if the cop who is her dad 
is one of the killers, like he probably didn't kill his own daughter. <laughs> that's that's the only reason why I could have seen her connecting the dots, being like, oh yeah, no, okay, the cop was in on it, uh, so she's not actually dead. But that why maybe boyfriend is still is like still a suspect. Like Danny's still a suspect, and there's a couple other people like that. It might be. Um, yeah, I I wrote that down too. I just wrote. Uh, I think I just wrote Mindy, or she I thinks was, it's Mindy. I was, I was like, so thrown by her thinking it was Mindy because I was like, why would Mindy be the next possible suspect after Ethan and the cop? Right. Because like I'm just like I I, I at this point she thinks that Mindy is dead. <laughs> but I don't think they like, even know what happened to Mindy. I think they just yeah. know that they got separated. Right. Like. I, so, I just core four she ruined the core four in my <laughs> opinion if I was part of the core four and I was Mindy and someone had been like Mindy and I was Mindy I would have been like oh. excuse me we're we're not core four anymore bitch oh shit okay yeah I just I, I totally glossed this over in my brain for me like I thought she said Quinn but she said Mindy okay because like said Mindy okay yeah because it would make sense for, I was just explaining a second ago, to be like, okay, Quinn didn't die because her fucking dad is in on it. Uh, okay, but it was Mindy, she said. Okay. She said Mindy, yeah. yeah. And right. um, I was thinking, yeah, it'd be funny later because, yeah, Tara, like, takes Mindy aside and is like, yeah, she said your name first. Like, <laughs> I don't think she would. It's just really funny that that happened. Like, she wouldn't know about it otherwise. But, like, I guess the only re- possible reason you could think that is that the the train um ethan and mindy get split from the group so it's like well those two were together so yeah like it's possible then if there are two and we don't know who the other one is that it's mindy but it's just it is funny to me that she jumps like yeah i don't know what that says about her relationship with dandy or her relationship with mindy i guess but like it's yeah. I thought that was pretty strange that that too. She yeah. Through. I thought it was bizarre that her jump was Mindy. I I feel like Mindy had proven herself to that point that she was not the killer. To the like, I don't think that Sam should have been like Mindy. Yeah, that... I'm, out, I'm retroactively mad at Sam. Like I just admit, I for whatever reason I heard her guess Quinn, and I was like, oh good, <laughs> smart. What a smart guess by her. Uh, and then like, nope, she said the dumbest shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So by now we know the reveal, the, the true reveal is Quinn is the the third killer and then Ethan and the cop and they are a family, which is a, it's a nice family of killers, which is yeah. what you like to see. You like to see a family of killers. Um, but, but you have, yeah, you have those three as the killers. Um, but yeah, they they try to like try they try to like make it as a whole thing like oh you shouldn't have framed Randy but like Randy was a murderer <laughs> like no Richie yeah Richie I'm sorry I said Randy didn't I yeah no um, this, this is part of the reveal that didn't super work for me like number one Ethan is starting to do like the uh, manic acting 
like, oh, I'm so glad I killed Chad. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, man, nobody gives a shit about you. <laughs> like this is the movie has been saying throughout the entire time that like you're a, basically a non-character that we should all be suspecting. And we end up being right about that. <laughs> uh, I don't think we spent enough time with him or like there were there was enough deception with him to make that reveal very interesting. Um, and then while he's doing his, I mean, it's a it's a spy kids ass reveal. I'm sorry. Oh, big time. Yeah. Brother Absolutely. and sister killers. Yeah. It sucks. And then uh, Dermot Mulroney is, I think, doing an okay job. But it, for me, he's not really selling it, being like this paterfamilias who's so sad that he lost his uh, his eldest son. Uh, a father and his eldest son have a special relationship. So, uh, <laughs> so I let him do all this weird shit, like collect all this stuff and like make snuff films. Like, uh, fine. All right. It's like Echoes of Billy's Mom, but Billy's Mom was done much better, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. They do just kind of seem like a lame family. Like the whole time, it's just like, oh, that family sucks. Like they're just all, they all like have the same personality and they're all sort of approaching it the same way. And like, I guess we should say, yeah, they said, they, she said, thinks it's Mindy. They pull up the hood. It's Quinn. It turns out like that after they thought she got stabbed, the dad switched. They never really explained what body, but they switched. He said he switches it for another body. Like, I have, yeah, I have body? no idea what that fucking meant. Yeah, what we 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 skipped over completely was that like um, the reveal was made, and then like um, they reveal that like they were Richie's family, which is the big reveal. It's like yeah, we're Richie's and, family. <laughs> and Ethan's last name, like he gave a fake last name. He did. He did actually um, make it so he was roommates with Chad. So, and like the thing, the other big part of this is that this is exactly what Mindy said um, in the park. She predicted the ending of this movie and like to a T, like she went a step too far and said like her, uh, her girlfriend and like that, but everything else she said out there in the park was was correct, and it just sort of was unfolding that way. So it's, and I wanted to say, so what I wanted to say before too with the the cop reveal is that my immediate thought when Kirby, when um, that officer, what the what the hell his name is, we is it Officer Bailey, Bailey, yeah. um, when he calls my immediate thought was oh he's the killer because i'm like okay so it, we know it's not going to be kirby they're not going to do that if it's not kirby then it's him because like unless they have to do a whole thing where it's like somebody sent in a fake report and told me that it was i'm just like i was immediate like okay well he's the killer like we'll just wait for them to reveal it now i just like i just i don't know so that that for me was like I just just like there's no other way to spin it like it just and then with the other two like you both have said it's like they're not that interesting they didn't give a good performance we like in this final moment like they were trying to do too much of the old stuff and also throughout the whole movie they weren't that interesting we didn't really see anything they were doing like I guess with Ethan a little bit like I like the train stuff he did seem 
to be like a little creepy and like you get some vibes from him but that's about it like you don't get enough from him that you can really be satisfied with that reveal yeah the the payoffs here are that uh quinn talked to uh tara i think earlier in the movie about having lost her brother turns out the brother she was referring to was richie uh the thing that kelly mentioned where um what the hell was it well essentially that there were the like oh it was like the stare down between uh officer bailey and sam being like nobody fucks with my family and her being like agreed um these are like the bigger payoffs of this reveal which is fine and obviously they're subverting expectations by having three killers instead of two but it just didn't have that wow factor for me to like really make it feel like a good payoff yeah yeah i agree yeah it it, yeah it felt like i like it was a good reveal. Like I, 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 I believed it as like the end of the movie, but it just didn't feel like they actually like thought through it and decided to make it see this movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, keeping in mind like the other decisions they end up making in terms of like who survives this movie, like it, it does end up being kind of like this very, oh, turns out no, no real stakes in this one, <laughs> like. The no real surprise yeah. here in terms yeah. of someone who you feel um you feel a loss of being like, oh no, not him. Like when Stu, right? When Stu shows up, you're like, no, not Stu. I liked him. Uh with these reveals, you're like, yeah, I don't really like many of you. Uh, Quinn a little bit, but she exited the picture so quickly, it's just like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, Quinn, you thought she was already gone. And then like Ethan, you're like, I don't give a shit about. So you're just kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah, now they're all back. That's like fine. The, the one cool thing about it is I don't know if this is even really cool, but it is exactly it's exactly what was supposed to happen in Scream 2, right? It was supposed to be the roommate, and it was it was the fa- it was the parent of the killer from the previous movie. So oh. it's the same thing. Like they 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 have the same killers at the end, and I it feels like probably maybe closer to what the original Scream 2 script was. Maybe the roommate did die and then, um, you know, they bring her back at the end and, and tie it together that way. But like, I that was, I thought that was kind of cool just to kind of tie in the, we're rebooting Scream 2, but other than that. That's okay. true. Yeah. And then from here, I feel like the reveal is very like, muted again because like they they do the whole reveal but then it's just kind of like okay so we we know that these are the three killers but then it's like this is the main killer but then for whatever reason like sam and him like get thrown like this is the whole thing with um i'm skipping over like uh sam and tara's relationship for this Cause they're like, Oh, you got to let me go. And she's like, I can't let you go. And that's like a whole thing with their actual res- relationship where it's like, Oh, well mm. I got, I actually have to let you go. And it's like, Oh, I can't. But anyway, if we're avoiding that, it's just like their actual thing. Um, She throws her down and like the killers immediately like, this like this is the actual throwdown. It's yeah, like it's, the go ahead. 
sorry. Yeah, this, this is uh, something I was talking about earlier where like a lot of the gun stuff doesn't make any damn sense because what happens in this sequence is Sam and Tara are to go up to the balcony to try to like get out. Like they see like an exit sign on the second floor. So they think maybe there's a way to get like roof access or something. And then uh, as, as they're climbing up, uh, I believe it's Tara gets shot by Officer Bailey. And then uh, Sam is like holding on to her over the balcony and, and Tara is like dangling over. At the bottom is Ethan with his knife, like swiping at her being like, I always wanted to stick something in you, Tara. Uh, and then at the, at the top of the balcony, um, the door opens and here comes uh, Quinn with her knife and she's approaching uh, uh, Sam, you know, again, like she's like vulnerable because she's holding Tara over the side. Tara looks at her and says, you have to let me go. Uh, and then Jenna Ortega does some pretty good like eye acting where she's like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. Give me your knife. Uh, and then Sam's like, oh, okay. Uh, hands her the knife, lets her go. Uh, Sam, or sorry, Tara drops to the bottom, gets stabbed, but then she just like does an insane amount of work on Ethan. Uh, I believe she's, this is where she tells me he is going to die a virgin as she's like <laughs> mutilating him in the mouth. Um, and then uh, Quinn at you know on the balcony is approaching Sam and Sam is just kind of like giving her like the 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 one cocked eyebrow being like, yeah, hey, your brother's getting stabbed up real good, huh? Uh, that sucks for you. And then shoots Quinn directly in the head. Behind Quinn is Officer Bailey, her father. Now his two kids are dead uh, after Richie died as well. I guess he's childless at this point. Um, and this final showdown between Officer Bailey and Sam don't make no goddamn sense because <laughs> he's got a gun and they just rush each other. They just yeah, yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah, because they even do the whole thing where it's kind of like, are you just gonna rush him? And she's like, yes. And then like, he doesn't even try to shoot; he just runs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so yeah, so I I can't remember exactly how they get on the same level as, um, as Tara. Maybe they tumble over the side, but anyway, she is stabbing up Officer Bailey something nice. and uh, that's, you know, Tara kind of walks in behind her and sees Officer Bailey just stabbed up real bad uh, and kind of gives her like a concerned glance. And Sam is like, you know, my father was the killer. I'm not. I'm above that. And Officer Bailey is like, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then and what? she's just like, hey, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> well, because <laughs> ta- yeah, Tara gives her the look. Because at first he, like, uh, interpret Tara's look as, like, judgmental. Like, why the fuck are you stabbing, like, this man so many fucking times? (laughs) Like, just to, like, make your point that, like, okay, we get it. He was ghost-faced and you're stabbing him. And then, like, she stabs him so many times and Tara's giving that face. And then, like, immediately after that, it's like, uh, thank you for sparing my life. And then Tara's like, you're not going to spare it, are you? (laughs) Like... Sam's like absolutely not. And she starts stabbing again. It's just like okay, so like the look, the meaning of the looks mean nothing at this point. Yeah, the look is like eh, just go for it. Stab him through the freaking <laughs> eye. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's says, you did fuck with my family, and then she stabs him through the eye. So it's a callback to their conversation earlier, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And like before all this happens, there's this whole kind of like the cat mouse game gets turned around where. Sam is wearing the mask. Sam is wearing Billy Loomis's mask and running yeah, around with she, like the ghost face. She decides mask. to fuck with um, 
So they both fall and they both like pass out when they fall. And for whatever reason, she decides to fuck with him at that moment. She's like, I'm just yeah. going to be like, uh, I'm just going to be like hiding into the shadows and stuff. Or she could have just taken his gun and like gotten to the like top at the point of that. But she doesn't. She's just kind of like, I'm going to fuck with him instead. Yeah. So like, she does all that. And then like, yeah, that's where we are right now. Yeah. Interesting choice from Sam. <laughs> really really decides to go all into it and uh we get a scene where he, like he's shooting the mannequin heads because he's not sure where sam is and then sam is very lucky that he does not turn around because she's sneaking up behind him and then just goes <laughs> to town yeah i mean it's it's you know the movie's pretty much over at this point we had that reveal there's one last <clears throat> bit where like ethan comes running around the corner even though he had like the back of his head hollowed out with a knife yeah, uh, through his <laughs> mouth. But yeah, he comes running around the side uh, and then uh, Kirby drops the Stumacher television on his head. Like she tips it over onto him uh, and then he dies kind of like Stu does, I guess. Um, doesn't make the cool groan like Matthew Lillard chose to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so at this point, you know, it's all pretty well wrapped up. They are walking out to... The paramedics you know getting uh medical attention and stuff like that um at this point i believe i can't remember which character it is but they're like very perfunctorily like by the way i got a call gail's okay uh, yep. she's gonna be fine <laughs> like we get told uh you know she's gonna be okay mindy shows up and seems like perfectly none the worse for the wear despite the gut mm -hmm. shots that she took um and then in a very funny moment to me, in all of this moment uh uh tara starts crying and kirby's like hey what's what's oh up and then uh tara's like chad oh. and then, uh, <laughs> then we see chad rolling by on a gurney attended by uh you know emts they're like he's okay <laughs> like the most like, i i literally stupid. wrote in my notes chad how <laughs> there's no fucking way and she asks, she asks him as well, right? Like Tara says, how, like, how could you live? And he puts up the four fingers for core four. Ugh. And then she kisses him and puts his oxygen mask back on. Uh, and again, it, it's cute. But like at the same time, like, man, all of these characters, just about all of them, the core four, the exception of Sam, I think at this point, have just been stabbed to hell and back. But they're like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. All, it is yeah, funny. They, I, yeah. I do love that Mindy is like, uh, she's kind of like filling in people at this point too. And she's like running through and then she's kind of like, they gave me a bunch of drugs by the way. So it's kind of like, okay, that kind of like mends a lot of this, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. They they give her a bunch of drugs. Yeah, she's uh, she's fine with uh, uh, being stabbed in the stomach because they gave her some <laughs> drugs. <laughs> she's not in the hospital. She's not like she fine. I, the the chat thing was i mean it's just like i mean I, the mindy there's thing, no I, way I was, chad's alive yeah. i'm so sorry the mindy there's thing no was it, I, it's like i don't know whatever but the chat thing, it's just like okay so you really aren't gonna give these movies any stakes anymore you're not gonna make <laughs> us feel like there's really any threat like i feel maybe it was a overcorrection from from the last movie with Dewey, but at the same time, they also don't take a lot of risks with the new cast in the last movie. So it's like they're they don't 
I, yeah, it just feels like, okay, so this whole thing, it was kind of a nothing reveal. Like, the ending was pretty exciting. Like, you know, her over the balcony and the, the last kills. And, you know, there were some good hits and stuff. Like, I enjoyed that whole sequence enough. But just to have that kind of revealed that it's like, okay, I guess... <laughs> It just none of this really mattered too much, you know, carrying on assuming that there's going to be the next one. Like, it just, I don't know. You didn't really feel like much was at stake. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's like Bart being like, it was an amusing episode of our lives. Uh, <laughs> kind of how it felt. But, you know, it, it's fine. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of at odds with it uh, in terms of how I feel about it, because on the one hand, like, I totally agree, Paul. And I, I think that the lack of stakes is, is disappointing. I mean, at least one of the twins probably should have died, you know, just to give it stakes, just like how Randy died in Scream 2. You know, that would have been a parallel yeah. as well. Um, but uh, on the other hand, it's a fun cast. It's a, a charismatic cast yeah. that like seeing together. So, like. You know, I'm not mad they're trying to build more uh, characterization and chemistry. It's just I wish they had taken the time to do it in the first fucking movie instead of waiting till the second, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'm just like, I, I like that they're all still alive. But at the same time, I'm like, one of them could have died. <laughs> it's like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, if a character like... gets die like dies, like it's not like, I'm sorry, but like. It's that it's the fact too that it's just that 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 a it's a screen movie right like if this were another movie I wouldn't be cheering for or hoping a character die and I don't want right. necessarily it's more just like that's how they work that's what you because that's kind of what's fun about going through these and talking about them is just seeing what's similar about them what's different like what the rules actually are and just to take that away I guess just makes it feel a little bit less like it's a screen movie. Um, and and on top of that, just the fact that it's so ridiculous because he was just stabbed every possible in every yeah, possible there's organ. There's no reason that, he should have survived. I'm so yeah. sorry. Like I want Chad to survive as a person, but there's no there's no reason he should have survived. Yeah, and it's like we've seen like it's obvious. It's always a joke that somebody comes back, but this one in particular, like. You said Joe, like Ethan, Ethan was dead. Like Ethan, like is not coming back from that. He's he's dead. Um, and the fact that he was the one that got the last minute kill at the end was was strange. And like, there's just so much of this. It's just like, how are these people bouncing back from this stuff? Like, they're just, how? Yeah, it's just uh, they have some sort of. Uh, Wolverine type regenerative power <laughs> that that we're going to hear about in the next movie in space. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the movies are different now. They they have like much more of the you know the stabbing violence and everything. <clears throat> Those rules are like being rewritten by these two movies. Also now like um, you know the I think the ending of these last two movies much more so than the first four are all about like how they're going to get Ghostface. Like how are they going to stab him up real good? Um, yeah. so it takes like it makes it less of uh, I guess like less of an interest of like who Ghostface is it's like these movies are less interested by those reveals than they are in being like okay so now how is Sam going to do her Dexter thing on these guys like that, that yeah. that's the puzzle that they're looking to, to, to solve 
That's very true. And it's almost like which characters can we make it the most satisfying to be stabbed and not who's the most interesting character for this to be, or let's give them a really interesting motivation. It's just like, oh, well, everybody fucking hates Ethan and like the dad's a little weird. And like, it's just like, they've made it the most satisfying. And you're right. Like a lot of it was just like, when I get like, I'm going to murder, I'm going to just stab him so much and like kill him in the most brutal way possible. They're like fantasizing about how they're going to carry these murders out. Yeah. All right. Do we want to rate them? Ooh. I guess. Uh, yeah. So they all they we get the reveal. Everyone's alive, and then we get the very quick uh, shotgun uh, snap to credits where we have Ghostface with a shotgun. I guess they always kind of do that, though, right? Um, and then I, the last thing I want to say about just the movie itself before we discuss is that. I only because I read about this, there is a post credit sequence. Uh, did either of you know this or watch it? No, no. I don't think so. And the I saw that there was, and then um I had to because I watched it on Paramount Plus and it was like about it was just like you're watching this movie now, and then it went into it. So I had to like go back and fast forward through the whole movie to find it. But it's literally just Mindy in the the court, like when she's doing the rules, being like uh not every movie needs a post-credit sequence and then it cuts <laughs> and i just i like that i thought that was a good thing like i like that little ad at the end that's cool I, yeah I like that's it. fun yeah <clears throat> so <laughs> ranking so how do we want to do this first so um let's i guess rank the the movies in order of, of what we want or maybe we can just do that first and then go into our ghost face rankings yeah i'll i'll, I... I'll jump on that if uh, that's okay um yeah. yeah i i think this is probably gonna be a little bit different than the last one we talked about but i have done a reordering uh of the movie rankings i think in my own mind uh due to like some of the things that this one did that were interesting so i think for me it's probably one four two uh six three five i think is probably how i would do it okay um well yeah let's just start with the movies and then we'll go into the, the ghost face so for me i would say ah, i wish i gave this more thought uh because i like to be thoughtful about this but i i'm afraid i didn't this time i'm gonna keep four at the top uh yeah again for me i just I felt that reveal. I felt the movie was so good and that the reveal is just still so good that I uh, I just, I still have that at the top. One next. Here's where I was kind of almost going to put six. Um, and that's because there's so many parallels to two. And because two, I think, is really just the strongest for me, the reason I like it so much is because of the ending. Like, I thought that this movie was more, is better at being a movie. Um, it made more sense, even if I didn't really like how it turned out or the reveals. It, it like, everything fit better. And it was clear that they had a vision from beginning to end. And I think that just, yeah, I think, I, yeah, so I'm going to have six and then two uh and then three and then five hmm. 
I think mine is similar. I I do like I I do like the first three more than any of these, but I do I do I think the six pushes its way to the front of all the new ones, the way they did these reveals. But like I I like the I I'm still a scream apologist for the the first three, absolutely. No, totally, it's valid. Virtuous even. <laughs> yeah, well, and then if we're doing like a ghost face ranking, I mean, we could just do like a top three or something, but of course my uh dumb completest brain sort of commands that I do it uh a little differently. But yeah, um like for me it's still Billy at number one, Billy's mom at number two. I think for me number three is um uh Sid's niece. Um, right. What was her name? Jill. Jill, thank you. Yeah. Like those, those to me are the top three. And then you can kind of fill in behind that. You know, I think uh, Stu probably comes in at around four for me. And then like the very bottom is still Roman. Uh, I still think he's the lamest of all of them. Um, But I would say that these three would rank also at the bottom, just above Roman, like just in whatever order you want. Uh, Roman lasts these three and the next, you know, next three last. And then like, I don't know, you know, uh, oh, definitely after Stu, I would put Mickey and then, you know, got to throw Richie in uh, that situation in somewhere. But, you know, that's that's the general order of it. I got my top three for sure, my bottom four for sure. I'm, uh, I'm really interested to see how I'd re-rank these if I rewatch. Because just rewatching six has changed my opinion pretty drastically on it. Like, I don't know if I would, because I think my initial thought was I'm going to have uh six and five and then it kind of moved above three and then i when i watched it again i was like you know what um so i i, I say that just because i i always feel like with the, where i have billy and stew that it's just like i don't think that's probably correct but um just keeping it yeah i'll i'll keep this brief because i do have there's a lot that i have not given enough thought to i think but i still think jill is number one still my favorite reveal still i think maybe the strongest ending um and like just that the whole bit worked for me and like i don't have charlie this high but i thought they worked really well together so that just kind of boosts her up even higher that she had a good there was a two there was a good pair of ghost face in that movie um so joe first i would have mrs luna second i would have uh mickey third um billy and then stew and then, uh, oh, see, I kind of just didn't even consider Richie, but I would probably have Richie above these three. Um, and then, well, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't really, I don't have a, I don't want to just drone on. So I'm just going to say that they're in some order. They're the rest of them. Um, Charlie's above all of them. And then I have, I also have Roman at the bottom. Nice. Yeah, I think mine is similar. I, I don't, I don't have a full like selection of the actual ghost faces, but yeah, very similar. All right. Well, hey, we have a, we have a complete series now, don't we? Uh, At least up to date. We do. Yeah. Six six screen film. Kelly, I'm sorry. So you did, who is your number one though? Did you say? 
my my number one is still stew i i like stews um i like his complete like um not even taking responsibility for it when he was like like at the actual like height of it he was just kind of like oh i'm just here because yeah kids are watching movies like i <laughs> i loved him i love stew so stew is still my number one and would you who do you think you'd have like dead last dead last i still have roman yeah sorry scott Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so that's yeah i really enjoyed this watch through like having to be critical about it i think is like just to say that i think this is a really fun franchise overall and i never am mad that i have to watch one of these when i had to watch six again after having just <laughs> watched it like the week before i was like yeah <laughs> i'm ready like i don't feel like it's a chore at all they're a lot of they're all a lot of fun um any closing thoughts as we at least for now close out our uh screen watch it i don't think so we did it folks we did it it. yes we did and uh thank you to kelly for staying on me about actually watching this one because i liked it better than the last one yeah good series and good times uh so we'll be back um we've got simpsons to talk about we'll be back with more i like doing these series things we'll find something else to talk about so uh in the meantime i guess uh happy juneteenth Happy Pride Month um, and good screaming. Yeah. Good night, you guys. Night. Goodbye. Wrap you in his arms, tell you that you're.